0: Where to start with the Breath of Fire series, Cat vs. Nina, populating Township, the immense suffering and sadness of the Dragon Tears, and the formative experience of Capcom's darkly religious 16-bit classic. I'm the Well-Read Mage, and this is Magecast! Few games are as fundamental to the direction of my life as Capcom's middle child of the goddess Art, Breath of Fire 2 a seemingly overtly traditional title swamped by the sheer number of great RPGs releasing at the time. While it features no active time battle and it does not come from a long lineage established well before it, having only one predecessor, its personal influence upon me offers it a seat of importance in my own history, and on top of that, I believe it's truly a great game. To admit that this is a special episode in that regard is only half the picture, though. I'm joined this time by Patrick Kulikowski, a musician and fan for whom Breath of Fire has meant just as much as to me. Patrick has been involved with the Breath of Fire community for an age, helping to bring its soundtracks to modern platforms and even eventually coming to work for Capcom as submissions manager himself. There, he's accepted the unofficial honorary of unofficial Breath of Fire brand manager. While we can't wring all the Capcom secrets out of Patrick, you'll find that he has a unique affection for this series that reveals itself through his knowledge, his thematic grasp, and his profound dedication to it. If fate led him from a fan of Capcom to working for Capcom, then he is indeed the destined child for this episode. HCast is the podcast for the lonely, for those who miss the simple pleasure of a shared dialogue. Magecast is the podcast for conversationalists in a world where we've already stopped listening to each other. Do check out thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, or find me on Twitter and Twitch at the well Read Mage. I've embarked on a tremendous quest to play through every Super Nintendo RPG, and I'm inviting you along for the ride. I stream Super Nintendo RPGs every weekday at 1pm Central on Twitch. Be there. Links in the description. Now, let's start the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome back out of the mists of history. This is Magecast, and my name is Moses, a.k.a. the Well-Read Mage, the host of this show. Uh, It's a delight to be back with you again uh, to talk today about uh, maybe one of the most formative video games of all time in my life, Uh, but doubly excited to have with me Uh, Patrick Kulikowski. Did I nail your last name? You you nailed it first time. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) I was practicing and I forgot to like to ask you. I was like, how do you say it? Yeah, I was thinking that, too. It's like, oh, man, is he going to ask me (laughs) how to pronounce my last name?
1: (laughs) No, but you nailed
0: it. (laughs) Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. It's tradition on this show to have really awkward introductions. So that's yeah, we're we're doing a 10 out of 10 right now. Love it. Patrick, uh, I appreciate you being here. Um, you, you work for Capcom, you're a drummer, um, you've done really cool stuff like getting the Breath of Fire soundtracks on Steam, uh, checking you out from a distance. I was like, I'd love to talk with this guy. <laughs> and initially we were going to do a Breath of Fire five for which you have significant affection Oh yeah, and that'll probably come up, uh, down the road. But um, that's just a, a primer on what you are all about. So maybe tell us a bit more about yourself, if you would.
1: Geez, uh, well, I grew up on the East Coast in New Jersey, um, and I, for the longest time, I, I had always wanted to join the game industry. Um, I started with like an like a independent volunteer uh, gaming blog with my my friends, and that led me into like covering shows like New York Comic Con, and then uh, I met folks at Capcom USA there and made good friends with them and, uh, applied once, uh, for a customer service position, didn't get it that time, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I applied again when it opened up again a year later and that's how I landed at Capcom USA. And I moved, uh, from the East coast all the way to the Bay area, uh, just, just to work there and been there ever since. Um, I, uh, work as a submissions manager at Capcom USA, uh, doing lots of like ESRB rating related things and so on and so forth. But um, f- for the purposes of this show, I am here as just a ginormous Breath of Fire fanboy of of the entire <laughs> spanning the entire series. And while I am an employee of Capcom USA, I do want to clarify that I'm here as a just as a passionate fan to talk about the series because it's so near and dear to me. So. Of course, my thoughts don't represent my employers and I can't really comment on like rumors or speculation related to Capcom, those sort of things. But uh, happy to talk everybody's ear off about Breath of Fire because, gee, I've, I've been a fan for since since childhood, since early childhood. So,
0: yeah, epic. No, that's great. Uh, yeah. And just to, to underline that, uh, I've received questions. I don't know if you have, but folks have messaged me saying, you know, like, hey, ask this guy about this, ask this guy about this. And I was like, I don't know that we can really yeah. kind of pull things out. This is not this kind of show, too. Like, I don't run like a schlocky, you know, daytime TV show where like, did you hear Patrick spilled the beans? <laughs> I was like, right.
1: Yeah, and I, I you know, I don't want to let anyone down or anything like that, but there there are, you know, NDAs and and of and course things right. when you're in the industry, you have to be really careful about things you say that can be like misinterpreted and that sort of thing. So, yeah, just being careful here, that's all.
0: <laughs> Definitely. You got a job to protect. I don't want to get sued by Capcom. So, uh, we're good I don't, I don't <laughs> that's that's where that's where we're at for this episode. Um, but having you on as a fan, you've uh, you've got in your, your profile. This absolutely caught my eye. Oh. <laughs> you've got in your profile, uh, unofficial brand manager of the of the Breath of Fire series. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's kind of funny because when uh, sometimes I bring that up, and, and one of my coworkers would be like, "No, no, you're you're the official one." Like you know, jokingly of course. But it's like, <laughs> right. but yeah, I, I I champion that series any anytime I get, whether it's at work or outside of work especially outside of work I think I uh, people know me as breath of fire pat or, or whatever or roll their eyes every time I have to bring up breath of fire for some reason because here he goes again you know but it's it's all fun right like you know breath of fire doesn't define me or anything but it's just one right. of the most passionate like series uh, for me of all time so
0: yeah and that's good to have I mean yeah. I talk about chrono trigger to death
1: oh you know? and I mean yeah, if if it wasn't Breath of Fire, I'd I'd be like the di- the most diehard Earthbound or, or Chrono Trigger fan. So so
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. But then yeah, when people got a Chrono Trigger question or a Breath of Fire question, they know who to hunt down. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um so tell me a bit more about uh about kind of your music involvement. So you're you're a drummer and You've brought Capcom soundtracks to Steam?
1: Yeah, and you know, it's always a team effort for those kinds of things, but um there was an initiative by by Steam to uh make soundtracks more easily accessible and purchasable there and uh that initiative fell into my lap, so I was like, heck yeah, I love Capcom music and I'll whatever they they let me put on here, I, I would love to put on there. So, uh yeah, I I was really delighted to bring the uh, help bring the Breath of Fire one to five soundtracks on Steam, uh, where they still are to this day, so you can pick them up at any time.
0: <laughs> awesome, yeah, awesome, yeah. And some, I mean, this is this is good for me to see because, um, you know, this will pop up really frequently when I talk about Breath of fires, How do you get a hold of the games? How do you get a hold of the content, right? Yeah, um. Really cool to see that one and two were added to Nintendo switch online. Yeah. I was super um,
1: excited. I mean, I didn't even know that was going to happen at least for the first one and it, that Nintendo direct happened. And I was like blown away. Like what? i the switch. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was, I was as giddy yeah. as a, any other BOFN <laughs> when I saw that. Yeah. yeah. It's great because I mean, a lot of people haven't played this series um and they'll tell you and they're like i don't know anything about breath of fire
1: yeah i feel like um, i feel like a bunch of people say they've heard of it but might have never played it yeah definitely underrated. yeah
0: yeah i I'd, I'd agree uh but now there's a great place to start i mean if you own a switch you can start with that and it's we'll right get there. into that yeah. obviously yeah down the road uh here's a perfect example of the kind of question we can't really answer i suppose uh <laughs> Som- some said ask him why un squadron never got no, a sequel <laughs> <laughs> have you played UN squadron i think that's, I a, played that's it a great a game that, that, that is it's an a excellent. shmup isn't it
1: yeah it's uh it's called area 88 in japan but uh, i think it was based on an anime if i recall correctly and um uh there was the arcade version and then a super nintendo super famicom port and both are really great games. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. I yeah. remember this game. It's got the very anime stylized yeah. uh, pilot. Great. Portions. Fantastic
1: soundtrack, too. I think the arcade one mm-hmm. was done by Manami Matsumai and uh, Takashi Tataishi, which were the Mega Man 1 and 2 composers, respectively. Yeah. That's another thing oh, I forgot man. to mention. My my game music uh, fandom also like extends to actually meeting and interviewing a bunch of these classic, uh, retro composers and, and such. So, yeah.
0: That's awesome. The icons.
1: Th- icons. And, and I'm happy to say they're all amazing people in person too. <laughs> like people you can just be <laughs> friends and, you know, have a drink with or whatever. They're, they're, they're really awesome and very thankful for, for how passionate people are still about their music. So.
0: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, Let's see, Strange Vision 99 said, I hope you asked this insider if they'd like to jump down the toilet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> more than anything about this great game, I remember that line like the game needed to ask. I mean, would, <laughs>
1: would I jump in the toilet? Yes, especially if it means to save Prince Jean's royal ring or to escape an evil cultist town. So, so of course, I'm going to jump down the toilet. <laughs> also,
0: I, I can't finish the game if I don't jump down the toilet. So, <laughs> Right. You have to do it. Yep. There's no other way around. Uh, Well, this is Magecast episode 90 entitled Tears of the Dragon. We are, of course, talking about Breath of Fire 2, which was developed and published by Capcom in 1994 for the Super Nintendo. Uh, Info Sprinkles said, so excited for this one. New goal is to grind out the last quarter of this game before the podcast. Epic motivation. I just got to give a shout out to people like that who, uh, when we announced that we were doing this episode, they were like, you know what? I'm going to finish that game. Or you know what? I'm gonna start that game. That makes me happy. <laughs> it makes me super happy too, dude. That like people, you know, are trying these games out for the first time, no nostalgia attached, maybe. And I know they're gonna they're gonna have a good time. It's a ride.
1: Yeah, and uh, I I think it's great that Switch Online has uh, allowed more people to experience the first two games in, in this way because it's so easily accessible uh, now and and seeing like social media posts, people sharing like video clips and like first timers checking it out and being like, where was this game in my life before? I'm like, that, that really pleases <laughs> me.
0: So yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and one can only hope that three and four are coming in some capacity. Uh, I would make, I mean, it would knock my socks. I would feel giddy if, if I saw, you know, breath of fire collection. So Capcom, if you're listening, please, that's all I can say on that Uh, spoilers ahead by the way folks if you're like "Ah, I'm going to try this game for the first time maybe play it and then come back and listen because we are going to get into it I mean this is a in-depth conversation Uh, but if that doesn't bother you so much then listen on by all means a couple of mage facts to get us started Breath of Fire 2 is a direct sequel to Breath of Fire which was Capcom's first traditional RPG 2 is set several hundred years after the first game and makes reference to characters and themes from its predecessor. Captain Oppositional on Twitter said, Is it necessary or recommended to play them in order? This series is a blind spot for me. Uh, What do you think about that, Patrick? Uh,
1: Playing them in order. Well, you don't necessarily have to, but I think if you start from Breath of Fire 1, I think you'll appreciate the growth of the series a lot more, like all Mm -hmm. the quality of life improvements Mm-hmm. uh like from one to two to three to four so on and so forth but also i, th- I think more special is the call outs to the previous games especially in the first three w- one to three are definitely connected like
2: mm-hmm.
1: narratively thematically kind of the same world sort of thing so when you move on to two you'll see mentions of things that happened in one and lo- familiar locations and characters and uh also the same same deal for three actually three slaps you over the head with with call out character call outs in like literally the beginning part of the game so um i think yeah i think there's uh uh that would be my recommendation is to start from the first one you don't absolutely have to but Mm -hmm. i think it'll enhance your um experience of the of the overall plot for sure
0: yeah that's typically my recommendation as well um I always kind of give the, uh, you know, the caveat that like, if, if they're younger folk who maybe aren't too used to turn based RPGs or mm-hmm. too used to 16 bit RPGs, um, and they go all the way back to breath of fire, that might be a rough experience for them. Um, if you still want that kind of story connection, read, reading, you know, a story summary, summary, a great analysis on YouTube, uh, um, the wiki breakdown of the story or something like that. So you kind of get, uh, I usually refer to it as the goddess arc, you know, that plays through one, two and three. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you can kind of get that sense there. Um, but I wholly, wholly agree with you in terms too of the growth of the series. Um, I think you can really appreciate the different things that breath of fire tried that aren't in two um, and how to kind of tries new things that weren't in one. Uh, and then you get to three, and three's fantastic. Do yeah. you have any thoughts on four? Actually, uh, in any capacity, does do you think it connects to three? Yeah, to that's one. That's an interesting point, and it's been so
1: debatable, debatable among the fan base. And I don't think there's any official answer or anything like that. Uh, I know, I know, fans theorize that four might just be its own world or own dimension, or some people argue it's a prequel to the first game, which is an interesting thought, but there's nothing mm-hmm. like concrete. Um with that said, four, you know, four does share a game like in certain parts of the gameplay and such, uh, and the overall styled three is probably its most common um relative in comparison to the whole series, but uh enhances a lot of the the combat and a lot of the systems. Uh, carried over from three. So yeah, four is in an interesting spot. But um, uh, honestly, you, you probably could start out with four and just get a really damn good uh, Breath of Fire experience just from that one. But yeah, I, I will say, you know, Breath. I started with Breath of Fire one, of course, as a kid. And um, that was my first RPG like Breath of Fire literally oh, wow, yeah. introduced me to RPG. I didn't even understand what turn-based combat was. I was so young and I was like, you mean this isn't like Zelda where you press B to swing <laughs> your sword? Like I was so confused when I got into my first random encounter. And like, it was like one of the first games I actually had to read the manual for, rather my brother and my cousin at the time read the manual to me because <laughs> I was so young. And that's how we 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 learned to to play it. And then from there, like, yeah, I just became a, really
0: passionate JRPG fan. Nice. I remember those days. Yep. Uh I can't remember my first turn-based RPG. I can remember my first Final Fantasy and I think it was uh uh Final Fantasy Legend. When oh wow really the Game Final Boy Fantasy. one. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But um I remember playing games like that and be like, how do you jump? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Which button is to swing my sword. It's like that's not the kind of game it is, but yeah. you kind of fall in love with with the genre over time, for sure.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The sense of exploration. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just love world maps, and I have games like Breath of Fire and Final Fantasy to thank for that, so, <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, next fact here, while Breath of Fire was localized by Squaresoft on behalf of Capcom in North America, Capcom decided to handle the localization for Breath of Fire 2. Um, now, I want to make sure that I have that exactly correct. I th- seem to have found some uh different kind of takes on on how that all went down. And obviously we can't get into the nitty-gritty where their Capcom was like, we're gonna do these this ourselves, or Squaresoft was like, I'm out. But the translation of two is a talking point that actually does come up pretty fre- frequently. Yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> uh it, it was yeah, and th- this is all public knowledge, but yeah, um, I believe it was Capcom approached Squaresoft uh, for getting Breath of Fire localized for the Western market. Um, And so, yeah, and that was spearheaded by Ted Wolsey, who's uh, translated and localized so many Square RPGs from back in the day, like uh, Final Fantasy VI or III, as it was called back then. And uh, uh, geez, what... What else? I wanted to say Mystic Quest but a lot of people <laughs> have certain <laughs> opinions about them. I like that one, right? Yeah, no, uh he and uh yeah, Secret of Mana, right? That was the other one uh he had worked on, but um yeah, so so Squaresoft took the took the reins for for the first game even though, you know, the original game was developed and published by Capcom, but when 2 came out, I I suppose, you know, one did well for its time, and so I suppose, you know, Uh, Capcom took the reins back for the second one and that's how it's been ever since Um, Mm -hmm. yeah but uh, 2 was localized like in house um, Mm -hmm. and translated within I think the USA branch so there's actually a great Reddit interview the Breath of Fire fan page did with um, two people who had worked on the localization uh, Justin Baron Baronbaum and Chris Kramer they worked on the localization and the strategy guide for 2 and uh, yeah, if if you check that Reddit um, interview out, there's a lot of amazing uh, insight into how that process was done and the challenges and the deadlines and things like that. So obviously, you know, I was <laughs> I was like a six year old at the time this was <laughs> this was being done. So I don't know the exact experience, but a- according to these these guys, like it's it's a really fascinating look into uh into how it was back then with the game industry. It was it was very much a wild west back then on, on how things yeah. were done.
0: It sure sounds like it. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know too many specific details about this bit of localization. Love reading uh, Legends of Localization or Legend of Localization. Yeah, yeah. Mato uh, does good work. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool site. Um, haven't read too much on this specifically. I also played it as a young kid. So... I I want to say I wasn't too aware of like uh, this might have been better translated like this or this seems like this was rushed or anything like that. It kind of just was, and it it still conveys itself, um, in a, in a, in a in a decently efficient way. I think to be understood, absolutely. The reason why, yeah. I, uh, yeah, and the reason why I make that point is because this is such a frequent talking point. Um, but it's really something that adults bring up, I think <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, like I when you're a kid, you don't care, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: I think, I think people on the web tend to get a bit hyperbolic about it. Um, I think, I think despite the early nineties translation of two, I, I, as a kid, I understood the plot and character motivations just fine as a kid. Mm. So I think there's also a charm to the original translation, like yeah maybe it could have been better but uh it didn't hurt my experience with it and i i actually kind of liken it to the original resident evils voice acting like it's fun it's it's hammy and i wouldn't have it any other way when playing that game so i'm kind of like that with with two and maybe most maybe some may may not uh agree with that but that's
0: that's just how i feel about it yeah (laughs) so that's your personal take yeah yeah um yeah, there's a couple examples here. Uh Joe Ray Six said, I hope he can spotlight the you can't legally call that a translation, translation. <laughs> uh you know, you brought up Woolsey. I, I yeah. do remember a Woolsey story uh, with Secret of Mana. Um and I had no idea. Again, Secret of Mana is just like a game that I enjoyed when I was a kid and yep. and playing it, you know, again today I still enjoy it. Um but if you're on the internet long enough, you kind of are forced to learn things against your will, I guess. (laughs) Very true. Yep. Uh, And I come to find out um, that a ton of content had been cut from secret of mana in order to afford more space for the larger uh, English translation uh, that takes up more space than, than the Japanese text. Uh, And I had no idea. Again, you, you play the game as a kid, you enjoy it. Um, I didn't even think anything of it. Now when I play as an adult, I'm like, why does this character show up and then disappear? Yeah, a lot of that
1: happens in Mana.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then never show up again. Yeah. And that's probably why.
1: Yeah, I I think it's important for people to understand that localization wasn't really a thing back then in the Mm -hmm. early 90s. Like Translating Japanese games to English was very much, like I said, a Wild West. There were no clear rules or guidelines. And I I think in this case with two, like they my understanding is they had from this interview is that they had a raw translation from uh an external consultant and they had to get it into into working english in a very short time frame so there there and another thing to consider and this goes for any rpg of that time like games often had huge memory lim- limitations with the text mm-hmm. and they weren't specifically formatted to handle both english and japanese like basically taking a japanese game formatted for the Japanese language, and then trying to reformat it for English. So yeah, English was often added after the fact and wasn't considered during the development process. Nowadays, obviously, things are completely different. You look at, you know, any any big Japanese game publisher, they all have localization departments, they take that mm-hmm. stuff very seriously, and they, they do a, a bang-up job with it now. So... Yeah. different different times
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. I mean with that secret of mana localization with woolsey I remember reading they had a very short amount of time to actually complete the work yeah um so you're talking about you know hardware limitations and then you're talking about temporal limitations at the same time uh, which goes to explain a lot of what we saw back then yep. it's not enough too to just Like I can empathize with this. So like, and this will come up as far as my education, but uh, a part of my education was learning Greek, parsing Greek, trying to translate Greek. It's not enough to just take something and literally translate it into, into another (laughs) language. Sometimes the sentence structure is entirely different. Sometimes there's idioms and cultural phrases and slangs that don't literally just translate into another language. Um, And you have to start thinking a little more uh, smarter, smarter, smarterly about that, you know, so. Uh, It's not just something that that is uh, that's easy to throw together. But uh, Roskman here said, so I'm curious about the English translation. It's well known that localization is flawed in places. I vaguely remember hearing about Capcom deciding to do the translation themselves instead of going through a traditional localizer. Is this true? If not, how did it go? Roskman, I would definitely point you towards the uh, the Reddit interview that Patrick mentioned going to have a link for that in the podcast description folks i need to read it so it's (laughs) really good Uh, kudos
1: to the fandom for for tracking uh those guys down and asking those questions because who who else is going to ask them you know (laughs) right yeah it's and you know learning anything new about these games always like deeply
0: excites me so (laughs) i look forward to checking that out uh, last factoid here, Breath of Fire 4. This is a personal factoid. I snuck mm. it in. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Breath means. of Fire 2. Uh, somebody listening is like, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> but Breath of Fire 2 impacted my life with its, I always say, darkly religious uh, themes. It kind of shocked me, uh, even horrified me into an education and religious studies. Oh, wow. Um, so that's something that I've pursued uh, most of my adult life. Um, earned a degree in, in this branch of study. Um, that's where the, the translating Greek comes in. But for me, growing up, um, you know, my parents dragged me to church. I don't know what any of this stuff is about. Um, you know, there's some guy talking and who was, it wasn't in Latin, but it might as well have been, Mm. you know? And, uh, and then I, I, I come home and I play breath of fire two, And there's like a church, that's summoning demons and there's a dragon God that you pray to. And there's, you know, like a, a huge monster growing underneath this town. And I remember even at the time, like thinking like, this is, this is kind of terrifying. Yeah, stuff, the opening was you know? really scary. <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> and thank you for reminding me of that. It, it, it even opens with the that dragon eye just staring at you. Yeah, with that dark music that da yeah. yeah. uh, and it's yeah the 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 text is very dark. That's a very dark scene. There's a lot of darkness in this game, and a lot of it is tied to uh, religious themes. Uh, some people have asked me, do I think that breath of fire two come uh portrays religion negatively i think it actually does both and i, I wonder yeah. if you have thoughts on this as well i think i
1: um, i i agree with that yeah i mean you know there there's the dragon clan and their their beliefs and then mm-hmm. there's uh you know the church of saint eva with mm-hmm. their beliefs and ev- everything you know in the beginning of the game makes you think that the church of saint eva oh yeah they're they're kind of similar to like a a Christian Catholic kind of uh, sort of church. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, the, and the, they're benevolent, you know, they're trying to help people and you can donate to them and you can visit their churches and such. And then of course, in, in, in kind of a, I mean, maybe it wasn't typical in JRPGs at that time. Uh, but uh, yeah, it turns out that there are some not great people in, in that, uh, in that church of St. Eva and it's, devolves into this like giant plot against the world in a sense. Yeah. So it's really, it's really fascinating. And um yeah, like it, it's interesting. I, I was raised Catholic actually. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, playing this game, I saw the similarities to, to the church and such, but, you know, I think as a kid too, I just saw like, this is a, a work of fiction and I wasn't taking anything negative from it or like may, maybe, maybe there is some sort of message of trying to say something about that, but I don't think, I think it's maybe used more for like a, at least some in my interpretation, like an entertainment value or like a, a shock value, that kind of thing.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And let me agree with that too, right here that I don't think that there's really uh, kind of like a polemic here. Yeah. I don't think that the message of breath of fire two is religion is evil. Yeah. I, I don't um, get that at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it portrays and definitely a very Japanese, a very uh, JRPG concept to portray westernized organized religion because of Japan's history with it. Um, in this kind of vein, but you know, when folk will ask, "Do I think Breath of Fire two portrays religion negatively?" I mean, you're right. There's there's the Dragon Clan as well, and you have more of like a folk religion there uh, that's culturally oriented with the Dragon God. Um, and it's something that's older rather than uh, this more organized uh, organization that's involved in the in the plot. Right. And so
1: there's also the Namanda monks in Farmtown and and or near Farmtown and whatnot. So there's even like a third religion in the game too. That's I that's totally portrayed. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Namanda Namanda. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what I did remember was Ray. Um, yeah. Who is kind of like this uh, itinerant priest um, who is in the Saint Eva organization? Uh, you come to find out he's a member of the Dragon Clan, isn't that right?
1: That's right. Uh, it turns out towards the end um, that he he was actually originating from the Dragon Clan, the same one that Ryu uh, uh, originates from, which is a, a a really neat twist. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. like you find this all out right as like you kill him spoilers, right. but like, it's like, and you know, there, the, there's so much, mm-hmm. especially the last quarter of the game, there's so much like death and sacrifice. And it's, it was very, uh, it's a very emotionally tolling, uh, part of the game. Uh, yeah. you know, imagine that as experiencing that as a kid too. It's just, uh, uh, shocking and opening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a high stakes game. Absolutely. You know, it feels like it feels like when things happen in this game, that they actually impact the its world and, and its characters. Uh, Ray is interesting to me because he's within that system. Um, but at the same time, throughout the game, you kind of see him doing good as well. Yeah. I think that's a really human character.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: He, I think he's a very
1: relatable character. And, you know, he he may show himself as like devout to the very end but he's always just trying to do good despite you know his superiors being truly evil, <laughs> evil right he's uh, not
0: habaraku but, or, or oh yeah or habaraku famous. yeah is
1: yeah. like yeah. <laughs> pro- probably <laughs> one of the most like hateable characters in, in yeah. the whole story <laughs> just so wicked yeah <laughs> yeah
0: uh, so there was a question here from the Kais who said, "What a guest! What a guest! I gotta agree and that was great uh Are you going to discuss the path to that religious studies degree on the show, or is that steer clear territory? Here's the thing for me folks like i I have another concept on the side called Gamalogica, that in a non proselytizing way, explores religious themes that were put in video games by the people who made them. Um, So for me, this is a normal subject to talk about. Again, it's not in like I'm not bashing you over the head and you're not bashing me over the head. And that's (laughs) that's fine and dandy. Um, There is a question here from Datum who said, what led you to pick up the Breath of Fire series? Uh, This is coming from somebody who I believe he said it it never picked them up. Uh, Maybe they flew entirely under the radar. Maybe he took a look at the cover art and was like, "Mm, no. But what led you to pick them up? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, uh, so it was Christmas 1995, and I had gotten Breath of Fire as a surprise Christmas gift from my dad. And Very nice. uh, yeah, and at that time, uh, I might have mentioned like I was familiar mostly with Zelda-like games. Like A Link to the Past was my my pride and joy at the time, and I'm, I'm sure my dad picked it up because, well, for one, I think Breath of Fire retailed for like was a little cheaper it was like 39.99 at the time which was actually quite a good deal for a snes game even with taking in inflation and such but Mm, um yeah yeah, like and i'm i'm sure he just looked at the cover it's like okay blue haired conan the barbarian looking dude (laughs) with a sword (laughs) uh this looks fun so yeah and and i guess the rest is history right but um yeah like uh, breath of fire one i just i was just once I learned how to play it I was just blown away by the sense of exploration and the music and and the story and uh, yeah and so that was Christmas 95 right and then a couple months later was when I first saw Breath of Fire 2 uh, mentioned it with screenshots and box art in a game Pro, uh magazine mm-hmm. it, it must have been like January February 96 and I me and my brother just completely flipped out like a sequel. Like we, we, we didn't even finish the first one at the time, but we were like a sequel. Oh my God, we, we need this. Um, and you know, I, I, I asked and asked and I ended up getting breath of fire two for my seventh birthday. And you know, it wasn't a surprise to me at the birthday party because I, I went to toys R us with my dad and we picked out those white and yellow slips that they had back in the day at toys R us. (laughs) And we, we got a copy and I think that breath of fire two was pretty expensive for its time if i recall it must have been like 60 which in the 90s that was that was a lot like 60 is normal for a for a full price game these days but um 60 for a SNES cartridge game was a lot back then
0: yeah Yeah. and there was uh that was before kind of the standardization of pricing exactly on new games right so like i think donkey kong was really expensive chrono trigger was really expensive oh yeah and then you had some that were it wasn't just like ah, oh, this one's a 60 this one's a 40 this is an indie so it's like 15.
1: yeah you know? and i think you have to take into account that so while while breath of fire 2 was released on the super famicom in japan in late 94 like december 94 it literally came a year later in the us and or north america rather and uh that's really late in the snes console life cycle so Um, and you know, I I imagine like cartridge prices were, were probably, uh, pretty high up even back then, like at the tail end of the SNES era. So, uh, I'm sure that,
0: yeah, added to it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all kinds of factors on that for sure. Yeah. Um, well you really got, you really got some good, some good gifts, uh, oh boy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I think, uh, a year or two later, I, yeah, like a year later for my birthday, I got earthbound and you know, that's another oh. whole nother story, you know? <laughs> so,
0: yeah. And that's a lucky one. Cause I mean, there were a lot of kids who did not play earthbound at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were introduced to it way later. Uh, yeah. If at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I can't remember when I first got Breath of fire one, but definitely did play that one first. Uh, I have vivid memories of doing a lot of grinding in that game. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It seems like in my memory, it had a very high random encounter rate. Um, So I just remember taking like three steps and there'd be another battle. Um, But because of that, uh, it seems like you could get really powerful in that game. You get and so OP. <laughs> yes. I remember the satisfaction of going back to an earlier area in that game and just kind of bulldozing. You know? yeah. <laughs> Be like, oh. R-
1: wrecking enemies that
0: were like like the gloom that would like take me out in one hit
1: with a lightning bolt, and now you just kill them in one hit. So
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good times. And and shout out to Breath of Fire. I feel like you know, this is it's it's the prototypical Breath of Fire. It's the first one. Uh, but there was still drama in there. I mean, I remember feeling real sadness over the fate of Sarah and Ryu's relationship with her and all these things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Alan and Cyril was another big, uh, story element toward, towards the end of the game and their relationship and, and what happens there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, folks asking is, is the first one worth playing? I think so. Oh yeah. Um, you know and that's acknowledging you're gonna do a lot of random encounters, but <laughs> but it's one one great thing that,
1: that one has that two actually doesn't is the marble three item, which when you use it, it uh, stops random encounters for like I forget how many steps, sixty to ninety steps or something like that. And so if you stock up on those and keep using them, you don't get into random encounters. Granted, you don't want to keep doing that because then you won't be ready for the boss uh, at the end of a dungeon. (laughs) Right. But, um, I, I, but I did appreciate that the game gives you control over, over the random encounters in that way. Uh, whereas two sadly does not. I mean, it, it, it does have like an accessory you can get late in the, later in the game to limit encounters on the field, on the world map. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a smoke item that sort of works like uh, like it, it does have a chance of reducing random encounters, but the, the random encounter rate is still pretty dang high.
0: Yeah. Do you remember, uh, this is the mechanic that I always remember from one, uh, the second wind, the oh, second one, the good old second wind. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I remember the first time I think it's the frog is, uh, like a boss early yeah. that, that has the second wind. And I would be like, what and he's just not dying right i just all, you know? i just
1: reduced his health to zero and now he's he's got another <laughs> secret health bar or whatever Thankful, yeah. thankfully you know in two i i suppose they realize that oh just do one health bar and make it a mystery <laughs> yeah. And that's that it's a question mark on the health bar so you don't un- until you defeat that enemy uh and revisit them later you won't you won't know how much hp they have so
0: yeah, yeah, felt like a good uh, change. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, uh, I I thought it was kind
1: of neat. It didn't it didn't bother me much uh, back in the day. That there were some early bosses with, uh, that might have been more tricky because of the second win. Because generally, the second win means oh they're going to hit you even harder now. Now now you've really riled them up. Um, I I can think of the gremlin boss specifically was a, a game stopper for me for a long time. Uh, in the gremlin and the uh, stone robot was just like so Uh, freaking tough when you get to a second wind and i'd always constantly get knocked out and i think i think i had to like not only just grind but i grinded the meat item i hunted on the world map to uh to get that meat item that that heals all your characters and uh that was how i was able to complete that but yeah it's tough
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know i had to look up the gremlin because i didn't remember the name yeah uh and i remember the look of the battle for sure yeah that was that was a tough one. That's that was, Absolutely. I think
1: the toughest fight I had in the game for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So again, I don't remember when I picked up one and I, there was so much trading for me back then. Um, I did trades that I totally regret now, but then did other trades that I'm like super happy about. Mm. Um, I feel like back then I, I would say I'm always looking for like a story game. And that was my word for, you know, my term for the, the RPG. Yeah. Um, but then, when I did get a hold of Breath of Fire two, however that happened, I I adored it. It was it was bright and beautiful. The music, the characters, uh, I loved it so much that it became like a hobby of mine to write to um like the the prose at one of those uh at one of those addresses in a magazine. I didn't get magazines uh other than what I found at libraries or read at friends' houses. But um I think it was Nintendo Power. Mm, okay, um, cool. Th- <laughs> that you could that you could write in. Like maybe you remember this. Yeah. You could write letters in yeah. for like a tip. M- m-
1: most of the game ma- magazines did that. Game Pro those, did. Okay. Nintendo Power did. Absolutely. Yeah
0: okay it it was one of those, but I remember writing in just you know my friends and I would put together like a list of questions and then we'd we'd mail it in and we'd always draw pictures of the characters thinking you know these these adults would love to get pictures of like you know crayon like <laughs> drawings <laughs> from from six year olds and things like that and uh I remember I wrote out to them once. And I had used tracing paper to trace an image out of the uh, out of the Breath of Fire two strategy guide that I read like the Bible, like oh. carried it around everywhere. Wow, nice! Uh, um, it to, like to like it, until it turned into dust. Like, uh, spent a lot of time in hospitals when I was a kid for mm. various reasons. Uh, and that book was always with me until it just completely fell apart. Oh man! <laughs> um, so I actually bought a, a new copy recently. I found one on eBay that was not like five thousand dollars. Yeah, it's uh, surprisingly
1: expensive. That guide now. I'm I'm glad I got did. it when I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, it went the heck up. So and like having that now again, looking at the art and just being like, this is pure nostalgia. Yeah. Anyway, um, I traced uh, Gene out of out of the book and i I was so proud of it did a little bit of light coloring on it sent it away and the guy writes back and he's like by the way uh, we here at the office we really appreciate all of these drawings. Uh, we we put them up on our walls and like you know they're here reminding us how much people love this game. And he actually took like a picture of my drawing on their office wall, and like I was like someday I want to work in video games. I was like <laughs> That's that awesome, was my though. moment for me. That's yeah. so cool
1: though. Yeah, geez, it
0: felt so encouraging. Yeah,
1: you know, the only letter I wrote. I'm pretty sure I wrote to Capcom as a kid and I just asked them for free games. So
0: <laughs> I was a kid, you know, I had no money. Yeah, No, yeah. That's, that's how you go. If I just write to them, they'll just send me free stuff. Exactly. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I so yeah, again, they're really informative game for me. Um, or formative, not informative. Um, I do remember one of the last times I wrote out to them. Uh, I wrote some brutal stuff. Like, what is every character's stats when they hit uh, the maximum level? Oh, and what boy. is the maximum level? Like, was my question. <laughs> or And like, what's the strongest weapon for every character? <laughs> and I didn't get a response for like nine months. Wow. And then I forgot about it and a letter comes in the mail and I open it up and they're like, here's all the stats at level 99 or whatever. Holy crap. And here's like, like some, some poor guy actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like kudos to to, to them for following through that's 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 really great.
0: i know it totally could have been like uh, i'm not gonna answer this letter but yeah some poor guy had to grind on giant island oh no <laughs> uh for for every single character oh dear and and find out every single stat and uh that whoever that was is my hero i mean yeah that's dedication
1: yeah massive kudos that's that's awesome I was just going to say like, yeah, I, I still remember the day like opening my sealed car. Co- I have a photo of me holding the sealed breath of fire two box at my birthday oh. party. And like one of my friends is off to the side, like just staring at it in like amazement or whatever. Like, <laughs> and, um, and I remember popping it in and like going through the creepy eye opening scene. And then like everything is in black and white in, in the beginning. And oh yeah, I loved, so it, it you start as the the child Ryu. He's he's young, and his father Ganner is asking him to look for Yua because she ran away, uh, his sister. So so you go looking for her, and I'll never forget the the music. It's called Memories. Uh, when you're searching for her mm-hmm. in the in the backwoods, um, it's just like this very like lullaby esque. Uh, like listening to it is just immediately like fills me with nostalgia, but it's just a very like sweet song. And then, yeah, like, man, th- things get, get dialed to 11 pretty, pretty quickly. Like you, uh, you and Ganner rescue Yua from, from a, a monster. And then you find the dragon in the back and they start talking about their, their backstory of how their mother was, was killed. And, and the father Ganner couldn't save her in time. And, and uh, all of this like amounts to, Ganner and Yua go back to town, and then you follow after them. And one, they're missing, and two, none of the townsfolk remember who you are. And I'll never yeah. forget how scary that was. Yeah. Um, it, and I, I think of all the intros of the Breath of Fire games, I think two had the most, uh, like engaging one or like like things just like really hit you very very quickly. That this isn't going to be your usual opening JRPG story or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one thing to have a a sword calling to somebody in a forest or, you know, like the empire comes in and, and wipes out your village. It's another thing to like wake up one day and nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Um, I remember finding that really frightening as well. Um, I don't want to say I even had nightmares about that. Man. <laughs> I, I mean, the, and great. that
1: was a nightmare for Ryu, right? Because he, he and he and uh Bao like uh escape the village and go into this creepy dark cave, follow this demonic tale. Like, that's a great idea. Yeah, follow the evil creepy right. demonic tale. <laughs> and then you you know you come face to face with Baruberry, who's like this manifestation of Ryu's like uh nightmares and such and He obliterates you. It's what I think that was my first experience of one of those you know scripted JRPG battles that you just simply can't win. He's going to wipe you out in one hit. Um, Yeah, and uh, and like just him screaming these things like you are the the chosen one, you're the destined child. You think you think you can defeat us? It it was just so intimidating, and and to to witness that amazing opening text crawl um, that shows. Uh, the dragon, uh, the the underground dragon. Uh, I think it's called Dologani in in the game. Technically, Dragonier, but like the text scrolling with this really poetic like intro, which mind you is actually in perfect English. And is that that text was actually as is in the Japanese version? They used a scrolling Japanese subtitle on the bottom of the screen. Wow. So it it was English from the get go, even in the Japanese version, which I thought was really fascinating and uh just this ominous music describing what ryu just experienced and and his nightmares and then that music trail this ominous music trails off and then it leads into like the titles like these this wooden background crashing together breath of fire 2 logo and that rousing uh destined child anthem from the title screen playing i just that that memory is so vivid to me but it's such an epic opening like something i i had never seen in a game before uh and yeah it 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 was very profound for me at the time still still is still still gives me goosebumps like thinking about it and witnessing (laughs) it so yeah it's good stuff
0: i got goosebumps with you just describing it (laughs) that is it's a compelling introduction it really is yeah yeah yeah. it makes you feel alone and the the text like even just ripping your guts out uh there's a, yeah, it, this is a heavy game. I think that many people uh, may be surprised playing this for the first time that it's not just kind of bland swords and sorcery type stuff. Absolutely. Um, yeah. This is not, you know, you might look at the North American cover and think like eh, Conan and the Barbarian. Or <laughs> right. Like that. But uh, it's, it's, it's pretty heavy stuff. And speaking of the cover, there actually is a question in here uh, from Fitz Retro said, how do you feel about the box art design differences between the Japanese and North American releases? It always threw me off a bit as a kid when the characters in the game were drastically different from the ones on the box, which I feel like was <laughs> was pretty normal. Um, <laughs> and then Retro goes on to say, I feel like the Japanese art was much more representative of the game.
1: Absolutely it was. I mean, um, no, no question about that. Um, I mean, as a kid, it didn't bother me because well one breath of fire 2's box art very much replicates the same style as the first games american mm-hmm. box art like you you have ryu fr- front and center and a couple of the supporting characters like trailing behind him and all in their action poses and all looking very, very angry. You, your characters have to be really angry on the Western Boxer for some reason. Um, and yeah, no. For for me, that was just perfectly normal as a kid. I, I ate it up. It got me excited. But um, yeah, in in that uh, in that localization interview on Reddit, um, I recall that one of the guys there said that that artwork was made by. A, they're, they're a long defunct company. They're they're called More and Price, and um, they. Yeah, they just made, I guess they just replicated, you know, the art of the first box in a way to keep continuity. And, um, you know, n- nowadays it's kind of fun to chuckle about it because so many, so many westernized box arts fell prey to this like Americanized, like American comic book style or like Conan the right. Barbarian <laughs> style. But I guess, I guess companies were still a little gun shy about using. Japanese style anime characters on box art at the time. And, you know, whether that was right or wrong, you know, it was up to interpretation. But hey, as I said, I was I was a kid in the 90s and that box art sold me right away. I mean, the logo Breath of Fire 2 sold me automatically anyway. Right. (laughs) But it was an exciting box art and I I was hyped. And, you know, obviously, yeah, the characters don't look anything like that in the game. But, you know, so be it.
0: Right. Yeah, I want to say it didn't bother me as, yeah. as much as well. I didn't mean, I didn't even have anything to compare it to. It's not like, you know, we saw the Japanese version all the time. Uh Growing up in Hawaii, like uh, there's there were a lot of import shops. There was a lot of import items around. Right. Uh, I saw Super Famicoms and Famicoms. and I'm like, what the heck is this? Uh, and there would be displays for, you know, some of the Japanese versions of these games. Um, there there's a sizable Japanese population there. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I ever saw breath of breath of fire two. you know, North America and Japanese side by side, uh, and had to choose between the two of them. Um, I, so I have to agree that it, it, it serviced the game enough to where you saw it. And as a kid, you were like, Ooh, I want to play that. That looks fun. Yeah. And I realized I,
1: I didn't really question it even cause, uh, the The box innards, like the the uh, instruction manual and the the map that it comes with, it uses the Japanese created like key art and such in in both of those inserts. So, like you you do get some of the Japanese art when you open up the box and whatnot. And uh, and the strategy guide has had that stuff too. So you know it wasn't completely you know removed or anything like that. It was just That's the right. front of box yeah. that had that uh, really angry berserker <laughs> for
0: me it's like nobody could open their mouth that wide like right <laughs> he is dead. it's it's the old uh frowning Kirby syndrome yeah yeah it's kind of like that <laughs> well so what about uh you know the series as a whole i love that we touched on one here obviously on two uh i feel like we touched on four really well um, definitely want to capture your thoughts on five um, three, though, three for me is the one that I feel like is objectively the best of these. Uh, it's not my favorite one. Two is my favorite for personal reasons that mm. have been sussed out. But I feel like three, just as a standalone RPG, is so, so good.
1: Yeah, it's arguably the the fan favorite. Um, I think it was by far the most popular one uh, of the entire series. So, yeah, three is definitely like the. Like you ask a Final Fantasy fan their favorite, and they'll say seven. Thri- mm-hmm. It's going to be three for Breath of Fire's case for most people, I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and probably the the Breath of Fire that most people have played, I guess, too.
1: I think so. Yeah, I, I think most people have memories of playing three, if if they played any of them at all.
0: Yeah. Were you a huge so going from. Uh, you know, two 16-bit RPGs, then to the PlayStation. First of all, did you move from the Super Nintendo naturally to the PlayStation? Oh
1: man, that I'll never forget. So you know, me being the the Nintendo kid, had my NES, SNES, just got an N64, and lo and behold, I opened this uh like 1997 EGM uh that's Electronic Gaming Monthly. Uh, It was like their E3 97 issue, and they had a little small blurb about Breath of Fire 3. And then I saw console PlayStation, and my heart skipped a beat there. I was like, oh, no, I don't have a PlayStation. I just got an N64 with my communion money. There is no way I can convince my parents to get get me a PlayStation now. And sadly, yeah, like, so the game three came out in 98. In, uh, in the US and uh, I didn't get a playstation till like late summer 99 so um, yeah I was a late comer to breath of fire three but boy was I stoked to finally get it and it was yeah it was like night and day between 16bit going into the the cd playstation era of rpgs it was it was it was a big leap for me
0: oh yeah Yeah. oh chills when that uh right before the title screen comes up and you have that uh that scrolling yep um kind of mosaic of the the final fight from the first game
1: yeah with with and yeah the callback to to the classic bof1 characters curiously i believe karn and mogu are missing from that (laughs) from that uh mural or whatever which maybe (laughs) maybe they didn't have memory i don't know but to to add them in but it's still such an epic thing like right from the get-go you know they're connecting this to the previous breath of fires and that was super exciting
0: uh and that brings us to five uh five (laughs) is like i mentioned the it's the one that initially I was going to have Patrick on Magecast, folks, uh, to talk about five. Um, I wound up playing every Super Nintendo RPG, so I I just can't. I can't do that plus a PS2 RPG right now. Um, it is an interesting entry in the series in that it seems to be the most controversial. Um, but you and I first met in that. Uh, oh, I'd shared a picture of the four Breath of Fire games. Uh, and you commented, you were like, "Where's five, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Gosh, I, I, I forgot to take I'm, it off the shelf." I'm always that guy
1: who's like, "Okay." <laughs> I mean,
0: it, I didn't take offense or anything. I no, was like, I "Who's this schmuck?" I mean, I,
1: I, you? But, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm always like, I'm, I'm always that schmuck who's just like. <laughs> Okay. You got a picture of one to four. Cool. So your collection's incomplete.
0: Where's five? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think I responded and kind of was like, where's six or something like that.
1: Ooh, touche. Okay.
0: Yeah. Touche. It's uh it's on my Japanese mobile that, uh, have you played six at all before we get into five?
1: I, I actually have, but you know, I don't know Japanese, so I can't really yeah. have a good opinion about it because I didn't, I couldn't read it or anything. Um, I think. I you played it at least? Yeah, Yeah. I I played it, and I I even played the beta, uh, when they were doing a beta for it. But that's yeah, that that's kind of it, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) can't understand it. So what what can I really say?
0: Yeah, Yeah. and it's closed now. So even if you could understand it, right? um, That's correct. You you ain't playing it. So, um, well, yeah, with five, then I just in brief. I mean, like, why do you like five? Like, what what is five for you? Well,
1: it's funny because when I first got it and. Man, I, I got so many Breath of Fire games as gifts. Um, I, I, I received Dragon Quarter as a birthday gift in 2003 and I was stoked because like, ooh, first 3D Breath of Fire game and then I first time I played it, I was a little confused and I was a little shocked by how different it was from the first four games and uh, admittedly I was actually turned off from it for a while like I I couldn't get into it that much and I, I put it off um, but like Two, 2 to 3 years later like a buddy of mine encouraged me to like try it again like let's let's play together we'll like trade off on the controller and whatnot and you know i i had the strategy guide and i was like okay i'm i'm going to beat this for real now and you know through trials and tribulations and just learning the the intricate systems and the roguelike elements of the game and how it encourages you to to restart the game a, a, a whole bunch um i eventually beat it and i fell in love with it i loved the narrative i loved how the gameplay ties into the story uh in in a sense like you have this d counter that count uh counts down from uh or, or i'm sorry counts up from zero percent up to a hundred percent and is impacted by like just moving through the world and uh impacted by the battles you get into and most severely impacted by when you decide to use your dragon abilities And when you hit 100%, it's game over and you have to start from the beginning. And, you know, I understand, you know, the hesitancy of many people, like some people don't like games with time limits, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, yeah, maybe your mileage may vary, but I, I always encourage people who couldn't give it a chance the first time, give it another shot, especially now in this day and age where roguelike is like so in like every indie game has roguelike elements and people love restarting in, in games like Hades like over and over and carrying over, you know, your, the progress of your characters and such. And, and um, yeah, I think, I think it was really ahead of its time and, you know, uh, you know, very, very different setting. It's like more of like a sci-fi underground dungeon crawler esque RPG. So, um, yeah, it's, it's weird, right? It's, it's kind of one of those situations, I guess, where like, they could have made it traditional, like four and everything before it, but they, they literally just said, and this isn't in an interview, they, they said, let's change a breath of fire that they just wanted to do something different. I guess they were given the opportunity to just flip things on its head and they tried for it, you know? So and I, I have to give them kudos to that for for going that far with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, that staying true to your own creative vision, yeah, uh, and not being locked down to somebody else's, you know, that they made or you know whoever made the games before, for sure. But if you have uh, if you have that urge to do something different, then then do it. Yeah, uh, I feel like. As time goes on, I always say for my website, we do video game critiques. Criticism takes time, in that, uh, you know, years sometimes have to pass before the pendulum swings or it balances out. Um, you see this a lot with the Final Fantasy series, right? Oh, like yeah. <laughs> the, new, the, the new one comes out and the, this is the best Final Fantasy <laughs> ever! Or the other way around, right? This is the worst Final oh, Fantasy yeah. in the world. And then it takes a little bit of time and things kind of balance out and then you can have more kind of analytical discussions about it without things being a shouting match. Yeah, right?
1: and I feel like that cropped up for Dragon Quarter for sure. I Like, yeah. you know, in recent years I've seen – Publications like RPG fan and 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 others just deep dive into the lore and the gameplay mechanics of Dragon Quarter and and analyze them and celebrate them. And I, I think that's really cool that it sort of found a resurgence in some people, not all, you know, it's a very polarizing game. I get that. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I hope more people give it give it a shot. It's different. You need to go into it with a different like with the understanding that it's different. And hopefully you'll you'll find something you can enjoy there. Um, and if not, you know, that, that's fine. Every Everybody's got their own opinion about things. Right. So uh, but I'm, I'm yeah. always on the side of like, come on, give it another shot. It's actually a All masterpiece. Right. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah, the worst thing you could do is just be like, it's super Ma- or it's Super Mario. It's uh it's Superman sixty four when like nobody's played Superman sixty four. That's yeah. just it's just a meme that goes right. It's like everybody's like, oh, my favorite games, Pepsi Man. It's like, have you played Pepsi Man? And they're like, No, but the internet told me I should like it. Right. So trying things for yourself, yeah, is I think an important part of uh of the gaming economy.
1: Yeah. So yeah, and I I've chatted with yeah. people who are like, look, I've given it many shots and I just couldn't get into it. It's like, man it's cool. Like that's, that's how it is. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Joypad lad is back in action. Yes. The good guy of retro gaming stores is back in town. You need to head over to joypadlad.com to find your latest gifting, including self-gifting needs. He's got all sorts of comic books, merchandise, toys, licensed and unlicensed doodads, video games galore. And he's constantly adding to his store. Be sure to visit and use the code RED10. That's RED10 to get 10% off your order. Tell them the Red Mage sent you. Uh, let's hit a couple a couple of bullet points here. Music for Breath of Fire 2. My favorite. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. There are multiple boss themes. Uh, I remember the first time I heard a different boss theme in this game. And I was like, what?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's just a very lovely, adventurous soundtrack. It's, you know, it kind of carries over the orchestral uh, uh, style of the first game. But there's like a touch of whimsy in it that Mm -hmm. is also contrasted by some very, very ominous and dark tracks. And like we we brought those up, right? There's the voice calling in the darkness, which is that eye opening scene like da 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 da. And then and then. You also have like these church organ, like these sinister church organ sounds that you hear towards the end of the game when the plot of Saint Eva is being uncovered and such. And I, it, it's just so fascinating to me how that game can go from like happy adventurous to to everyone's gonna die or something. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I have to credit you know the the composer Yuko Takehara. She's she's one of my favorite. Retro Capcom game composer. She's and she's done some amazing stuff. She composed Boomer Kowanger's theme and Mega Man X, oh. uh, the entirety of the Mega Man Six soundtrack. She did Marvel vs. Capcom One. Like she 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 has a lot of great uh, discography among the Capcom game soundtracks. And um, there there's so there's a translation of the liner notes of the Breath of Fire original soundtrack special box. It was this 2006 cd box 11 cds of breath of fire one through five's uh music i have it it's like i think only like one to two thousand were made in the entire world wow so i'm glad i have that but uh you know the liner notes are in japanese but there's online there's a translation about uh for uh takehara's uh involvement and she talks about how much of a struggle it was to make the music for breath of fire two, um and she she had mentioned that the easiest tracks to make for her that came like naturally to her were the whale theme uh white wings mm. which is the great bird theme and the uh closing credits music the thank you everyone it's called but she like goes on about how difficult it was making battle themes for the game and how much of a struggle and how she felt like insecure about it and like I was like taken aback. I'm like, I thought she did an incredible job. Right. Um, And, and it made me wonder, is that why there are so many dark and brooding tracks? (laughs) Because, Hmm. because she was in a dark place maybe when, when making the music, but, and yet there's so much whimsical stuff. You, you think about all the world map themes and how, you know, especially the first one where we're Rangers it's called. It's just so Mm -hmm. peppy and like, we're going on an adventure. Let's go. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I love it. And then, the battle themes, like you know, she mentions how hard it was to make them, and I freaking love them. And too. they they're they're rocking. They they sound like they're they belong so in a Mega Man X game. Yes, uh, uh, like just just you know, soloing guitars and like like you've got like two or three layers of like electric guitar in them, and and wailing, and it it, it sounds so cool, and it's so energetic. Um, it's it's good stuff.
0: It's a perfect fusion. I love that you brought up Mega Man X. I <laughs> didn't know that same composer for Boomer Kwanger, one of my favorite tracks on Mega Man X. Uh, there's a there's a question here from Terrence Harkin. How about those battle themes, right. all of them, especially the boss theme, final boss theme? Uh, before our conversation... Uh, I listened through the whole Breath of Fire 2 soundtrack this morning awesome. Again <laughs> it's like, I was actually listening I, to it too I, I didn't finish oh, really? by the, the time okay. we
1: started But yeah, it, just to get me in the mood
0: <laughs> Yes, yes, yes uh, Anytime that <laughs> Like anytime that hits I'm just like, yeah. yes, turn that, the volume up
1: That one's appropriately uh, titled Let's do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes
1: let's do it yeah.
0: and that like you said the uh, here's the thing the range of this soundtrack um you'll listen to some rpg um soundtracks even today that that are excellently composed but l- limited in their range where a lot of the tracks sound the same especially if they're atmospheric yeah um this soundtrack has you know it's got those amazing battle themes it has the adventurous. World map music. It has that dark and brooding music, and then when you go hunting, dun, 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 yeah, it's dun, dun, so happy. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah, like <laughs> the, it's got the uh, fishing
1: music too was great too. I really like the fishing oh music. yeah,
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, Fishing. Okay, we got to mention mini games here. Oh yeah, of uh, so again, growing up in Hawaii, fishing is what you do in Hawaii. Like I spent <laughs> so much of my childhood fishing. Nice, and I loved fishing. In video games, uh, every single Breath of Fire game that I picked up, I'm like, "Is going to be fishing in this? It's going to be and f- fishing in two right at the beginning of the game, right out of uh, of hometown? I think it was called. Yeah. Um, you could, which love that they just decided to just call this town hometown. Hometown, yeah. Uh, but uh, and then you could just grind like all these fish right there and sell them and start your start your economy off strong. Uh, in Breath of Fire Two, but man, I love the fishing. I love that you could get different rods, and yep. and there's different kinds of fish, and there's a whole screen for it, and treasure chests.
1: Just gotta equip your rod and bait, as, as the menu said. <laughs> no, thankfully the Game Boy Advance port of of two fixed the that that uh, LR confusion, so it does say equip rod in the GBA version. There you go.
0: <laughs> Yeah. I, I feel like I still knew what to do. Yeah. Even like with the, the mistranslation there. Um but I must have just assumed I guess Lod is like something about fishing that I don't know. Yeah,
1: sure, and and totally not a Japanese L R (laughs) confusion. Right,
0: right, right. Had no idea. Yeah, Uh, and then of course you've got you've got hunting in this, which I found myself spending less time doing. I just wanted to fish as much as possible.
1: I I was the reverse, actually. Uh, Hunting for me was essential in the beginning because I mean, fish did sell pretty good at in the hometown item shop but I uh mm-hmm. I loved hunting selling roasts like you, you get nine of them and you sell them and you're you're set for the starting equipment and then some um mm-hmm. yeah I, I always use hunting but just just like fishing you just really need to know when to press the buttons <laughs> basically right. uh yeah. hunting requires well first you have to get lucky and ensure that the hunting bush on the world map actually appears and when you enter it you got to put Bow in front, and you got to ready your crossbow, and you you have to pray that you'll actually be spawned into a hunting ground that's uh that's got a bunch of like deer and and boars to hunt and whatnot. So it, it is a gamble. Whereas fishing is a, a certain thing; you're gonna find fish no matter what. <laughs> um, but yeah, selling those roasts, uh, man, so so much grinding of those roasts to sell and 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 get starting zenny in the beginning. It was good times.
0: Yeah, I feel like I always sucked at hunting. <laughs> like, I was just You know, terrible th- at it.
1: There was a time where, like, th- there's a moment where, yeah, you l- you lose Bow for a while, and mm-hmm. you you get Cat instead, and she's all close range. She doesn't have the crossbow that Bow does to make hunting much easier, and that was tough. Hun- hunting with Cat was you have to get up close, and you you better hope you can like stun lock the the boar before it runs away <laughs> or whatever. So it's very particular, yeah.
0: mm-hmm I. Uh, other major mini games i guess in this i can't truly really remember but the one that really sticks out as far as like quite nearly genre defining for other games certainly is township absolutely yeah one of one of my favorite like extra aspects about the game for sure yeah i mean even like not just this game but like like maybe in any game especially from this this context of this era I remember after experiencing Township that I was like, so can I do this like in every RPG? (laughs) (laughs) Turns out, no, it's actually pretty, pretty rare. Yeah. The only other game
1: I'm aware of that did that was, uh, Suiko Den, which came out like a year after two.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the dark cloud kind of thing, but then you start to get to a completely different context of history. Yeah. Uh, Soul Blazer maybe as far as like city building.
1: Yeah, sort of. Uh, I guess in I guess in Soul Blazer, well, you you don't necessarily pick uh building placement in in the township mm-hmm. system, but uh, yeah, the the main draw of Breath of Fire 2's, you know, custom town that you get to make is that well, first you choose the style of the houses by picking a carpenter and then uh uh choosing the people who actually live in it and just the The whole idea that there are just so many nPCs around the world that you can happen to recruit into the six houses that you uh get access to is just so cool, and all of them coming with their own skill or or mm. or benefits some some with way less benefits than others <laughs> um, man i'm I'm trying to think of one of the more useless ones. I think his name
0: is Poo. the cat. Oh the cats. Oh, okay, I think we're thinking of two different well, Who's Goo? I don't know. No, uh, Pooh,
1: rather. P O O. Yeah. I think he was I could have sworn he was in the uh the bathroom in the bar. Uh
0: <laughs> what a name at, for it. In
1: right. uh in Corsair. I, I might be getting that mixed up, but there's one of them is just a completely useless NPC and you you waste a a house slot by recruiting them. But yeah, the, there are the cats. Th- those I think are for pure entertainment value because you, you recruit one cat, and then as you play, just more and more cats show up, uh, <laughs> and it multiplies. I I, th- I thought that was really funny. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Poo now. I think that was like a kind of like a homeless person or something. Yeah, like that, something like that. Yeah. And so I remember doing a, a playthrough. I have played this game so many times. I feel like I've had everybody in Township nice. at some point. Um. But I remember being like, oh, I feel bad for poo. Like maybe he'll do something if you like, no, honey, just, hey, thanks for the house. And that's it. And that's it. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. And uh, it's and, it's interesting how, yeah, they all offer all sorts of things. Uh, one of the kookiest ones has to be the uh, day de- de in Windia who just is like, I want to sell fish. I want to sell fish or whatever. <laughs> he opens up a fish shop if you recruit him. It's like, cool, man. So, so someone better give this guy a fish shop. Jeez.
0: Right. (laughs) The cat one, though, uh, was one that I did a a playthrough just for the cat, because if I remember right, you could only get the cat late. Mm. Uh, You had to have cats, your playable characters, uh, shaman form. And we'll talk about shamans here in a little bit. That's right. um, In order to even talk to the cat. Um, and then you get the cat in, and it's almost like I say, it's like meow. Thanks for the house. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, You're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what did I like play through the whole game for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh. But there were some really cool uh ones. So, uh, did you have any favorites? Favorite NPC uh, Beretta. Of course, I think Beretta was always
1: a must for me. She uh, she was the. I think she's in the weapon shop in Windia, and she opens up her own weapon shop and all throughout the game as you progress she updates her her inventory to have some of the best uh weapons you can get at that point in time even even to the end of the game uh which i thought was pretty cool Uh, oh heck yeah yeah she was super helpful um probably one of the best ones although the way to get him is incredibly cryptic to the point that you absolutely need guides to get him um Man, I'm trying to to remember his name. Yozo, I think he's called. Um, oh, he's, yeah, he's in the the Wisdom Trees uh, uh, Dream Worlds. And if you recruit him, um, I think he's in one of yeah he's in one of the Dream World towns. And when you recruit him, he opens up, uh, or he he allows you to learn like attack spells, like missile, like really super heavy artillery spells and teach them to people who normally wouldn't get them or or teach them to people to get it early and the requirements are you have to like you have to have like super low ap and hp on the character in order for them to get a good spell from him or something it's it's so cryptic to, to the point that like yeah you're going to need a guide for this guy but it's so <laughs> it's so worth it because you you get some really excellent spells early on by by doing that
0: Yeah. Once you get the guidebook, then you're like, okay, I'm going to build the best township ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and there, some of these characters would only move into certain houses too. So you kind of have to really pick and choose sometimes between some decently good options. Yeah. Uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, like I have to have every time, is uh, Salvador. Oh, who, Salvador! <laughs> yeah, my first playthrough, I recruited
1: him. Yeah, that was. That was oh, cool. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I just love the I just love the visuals of like having these statues of your characters. Yeah, uh, throughout you
1: know. the town. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was, that was really clever thing. and 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 cool looking.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then the the choice at the time was always between Salvador or Sumner. Um, who lets you listen to uh the game's soundtrack? Yeah, Sumner was in uh, Tunland, if I I recall. I think or, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I, I I never recruited Sumner, and I I wish I I would because a a soundtrack player in game seems seems really cool. Uh, to, and what a way to include it! Too. Yeah,
0: you got to recruit an NPC to. Yeah. And you only have one shot, right? <laughs> <So>. Right. <laughs> uh, Captain Supreme asked, which carpenter did you choose and why? Do you have a favorite carpenter? Oh,
1: absolutely. The, the traditional cottage one all the way. Okay. And the reason for, so yeah, there, there are three styles you can choose from. There's the traditional co- cottage looking one, uh, the mug hall one, which is more like a kind of like a middle Eastern uh, look to it, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the third one is like these stilt houses, like lumberjack stilt houses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, the reason I go for the traditional con, it's not about the looks at all. It's about um, the carp. each carpenter comes with their own unique skill or trade. And the traditional cottage carpenter opens up a kitchen for cooking. And the cooking mini game made... Zenny no longer an issue because you could cook up gold bars to sell <laughs> to the item shop and just rack up so much zenny that it would never be a worry. But I think more importantly, actually, is um, by pairing up. So having this kitchen available to you in township, and then recruiting uh, certain uh, item shop owners like Day, the fish shop guy, and uh, this other—I think his name's Hans. He's a—he's an item shop guy. Uh, that sells these specific um like stat boosting items uh you can use the two of them to cook up wise bls or wise balls is the um meaning behind bl and uh those restore a good chunk of your ap which is essential for ryu who you know uh uses up all his ap when you use his dragon transformation abilities so uh that made fighting Baru Berry at the end. If if you decided to solo Baru Berry as Ryu, uh, that made fighting him way more tolerable. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of my rationale for why I always pick that one. But the other ones are <laughs> fun. I, I, I recall the Mug Hall. Um, yeah, the the Mug Hall uh, Carpenter opens up like a bar, and there are like old folks in there that will tell you how long you've been playing the game because there's no traditional time counter in the menu and uh there's uh and what 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 was oh someone tells you how many dressers and treasure chests you've raided and uh he'll scold you if the number is pretty high so yeah there's there's fun stuff like that but yeah and those are just fun facts whereas i i wanted you know i wanted the absolute like preferable uh like item and loadout situation which is why i picked the the cottage anyway what which one do you usually go with
0: uh yeah this sa- i don't think the same yeah. i like i don't think you could you could beat that kitchen thing yeah um, for sure i've tried all of them on different playthroughs uh the thing with the treehouse one is you have to take like the like the carts or whatever that go on on ropes yeah uh, between houses I yeah
1: think. which increases your time spent like navigating from house to house. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I was just like, yeah, I don't like this one. Yeah. <laughs> but and his,
1: yeah. his mini game is the carpenter's skill is just a, a game of, I, I I think he says it's kind of like Othello, but, uh, but essentially you find these tollens. I don't know if that meant to be tokens or something. These, uh these items throughout the world that you give to him and he places it on a board and you get the weapon or equipment. is on the board and that's the only way to get certain rare pieces of equipment is by going this route um
0: that's something it's something yeah yeah and i
1: did do that one playthrough but definitely the the cottage guy all the way yeah, yeah
0: yeah for sure um, one of the other like major oh, township is just so cool. Yeah. I, you could to just do a whole
1: podcast on township. The, the,
0: the more you think about it, like township flies later on, like ladies and gentlemen, township is a town that you built that you can fly across ship. the world map. Hence the township. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So cool. Yeah. That, so that cool. was a really
1: cool twist for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that, it the, requires you to get the. Best ending, I believe, in order to
0: even do that. So,
1: uh,
0: right. Right. And uh, the way I found that out is I did not get the good ending or the best ending, rather. And a friend of mine who was playing it concurrently uh, got his township to fly. And I was like, how? How? (laughs) So, you know, back then you kind of traded secrets with each other. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, But even besides all that, uh, you eventually get a shaman fusing station in your township that's right uh and shamans were these characters that you would meet uh, these slinky girls um (laughs) who if you had the uh i mean it is pretty suggestive like i don't think we've talked about that like this was a pretty suggestive game
1: yeah there there are Um, there are moments yeah for sure (laughs) yeah
0: like as early as uh the three uh harpies oh that that just like want to devour ryu because he's cute Yeah, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) pretty early on, but uh, the shamans discover Ryu, uh, and they're like, "It's almost like an innuendo." They're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna fuse with you." We're like, "Ah,
1: yeah," and Ryu being dragged here against his will and everything, dragged away from the party. That that was the comical part of it. Is that right? And all of them got get offended, like. Oh, look, Ryu runs off with a cute, the first cute girl he sees. <laughs> Which is pretty
0: great. I, right? I remember my mom walking through, and she's not going to stop and read the yeah, TV. But, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're a kid and you're playing in the living room and, yeah, your parents walk by and you're like, oh, crap. you like, speed through the dialogue, you know? Um, it's not like it was that raunchy or anything. <laughs> yeah, But as a kid, you're like, oh, I just don't want to get in trouble. Uh, but anyway, the shamans were these cool functionality things where you could. Fuse them to your character uh, and occasionally get, uh, you know, increases to stats. Uh, even, I think, change the colors of the sprite. And then on top of that, get entirely new uh, character sprites. Yeah. So there'd be, like, different forms for different characters. Which was amazing. super
1: cool. Yeah. The, the way yeah. you could soup up your characters with the shaman were so... Was, felt, it felt so well, it felt like, an, uh, like a natural... Upgrade from the first game, where as Karn you could have him fuse with other characters to create these like ginormous beast men. Although mm. naturally, the most ultimate form is like this flying puka insect <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, the shaman was was a huge upgrade over over the that fusion system in the first game, and uh, just the first uh, just seeing the ways like Cat and Nina and Jean and rand and and spark and like transform into all these like uber powerful forms with unique skills on top of that was just so cool um
0: yes and spars multiple forms yeah like three Uh, forms in in
1: total which was super cool yeah yeah one of them transforms uh him like completely into like a like this girl with a mushroom head (laughs) or whatever Mm -hmm. it was just really cool and i'm i'm amazed that they put the extra effort into like drawing additional sprites for the characters and animations and such. Uh, yeah. Which must've, you know, it, you know, dealing with memory limitations at the time, that was really impressive to, to pull off. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, it, it felt so special to in an, era before the internet as well for sure so it was like you kind of discover this sort of thing yeah for yourself or you Whether know you read it in a book hear it from a friend yeah or,
1: and yeah. if you're me you, you read it from the game pro guides that you know help me <laughs> finish the game yeah. basically <laughs> yeah
0: uh professor milan said man i miss being able to transform into an absolutely broken fusion monster that can basically stomp everything Including the last boss, uh, there are some great, and then the 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 custom art that you get um, outside of the game for these characters and their their fusion transformations is just fantastic. Yeah,
1: it's super cool. Uh, I I love trying new new different ones, and I I recall watching a streamer who you know didn't want any advice from chat. No, no guides or anything. And they kept trying to fuse Ryu with them, which doesn't work at all. Like, Ryu just simply cannot fuse with the shaman. And there's a story reason for that in that the shaman, mm-hmm. Santa, the one who pulls Ryu away from everybody, inadvertently unlocks his dragon abilities <laughs> to be able to transform into a dragon. And I, I actually love that scene because it causes like by unlocking his dragon powers, it causes their home and the surrounding forest to go up in flames, (laughs) which is is like, hence like, Hey, you, you burned our house down. Now, now you have to take us to your, your township or whatever. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I kind of knew right away that, yeah, Ryu is not going to be able to fuse with anything. He's got his own cool, badass dragon forms uh, to deal with. So yeah, the, this, this is all up to the rest of the team. Uh, Barring the secret character to just fuse and and figure out cool forms to to utilize
0: throughout the game, Uh, it's it's it was such a nice touch. I mean, the same things like that. Like, I don't see stuff like that. You know, this is a game. uh, Sometimes people ask me, like, what is Breath of Fire like as a series? I'm like, oh, it's it's a lot of it is you know traditionalism as far as like the like gameplay. It's a turn based RPG. Yeah. Um. But then thinking about all that they crammed into Breath of Fire 2 and somehow fit in a a flying town where you can invite anybody and all kinds of things. And and then there's fusions of different shamans that you can find throughout the game as well. There's a secret character. There's so much in this game. It's just fantastic. Uh,
1: And even just doing fishing uh, towards the end game, you can find these treasure chests that give you like – some of the best equipment like the best sword for ryu is found by fishing for a treasure chest at the end of the game so yeah there there's it's loaded with lots of secrets and for the longest time you know i i played two to death but the repeated playthroughs would always bring up something new when i when i would recruit a different npc or or try a different character combination to to like witness dialogue i hadn't seen before uh, i always thought that was really cool
0: we touched on a couple characters here, uh, but let's discuss characters. Yeah, uh, we've got Ryu, our hero. Uh, there's, I've always said Bow. Bow makes a lot of sense. B- like as soon both as you work, said right? it, he
1: like, it, Bow yeah. uses a cross bow, so maybe it's <laughs> Bow. But he's also a dog, so, so Bow like, Wow. Man. That that's bow that's my wow. rationale for calling him Bow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. As soon as you said it, I've like I've never heard that before. So that makes sense yeah. to me. Uh, you've got Rand, who's kind of like this big, tanky, armadillo man. Mm. Uh, you've got Cat, uh, of course, our cat girl of the game. You've got Nina. Nina is a recurring character in every Breath of Fire. Yep. Uh, and then you've got Sten, who's like a monkey man. Uh, you've got Jean. I used to say as a kid, but obviously it's Jean. Jean, because of his French uh, accent. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jean Zephrog. Yeah. And then you've got Spar. Um, the grass and there is a the grass man yeah (laughs) there is there are some there's a secret character that we'll discuss here in a bit uh buckle up (laughs) but um as far as these characters so like you could take four with you into a battle uh what was your favorite setup for that oh man by
1: end game i always did ryu uh bow cat and nina um Hmm. bow for his cure spells he has some of the best like healing magic by the end game cat, uh, just for the sheer brutal offensive force. Uh, and obviously Nina for her, for her attack magic. And yeah, you, you can't swap out Ryu, but you know, he's, he's also his own like meat shield tank of the game. Right. <laughs> uh, always with you and always climbing and defense and attack power. So, uh, but you know, since, since the game landed on the uh, SNES app on the switch, online membership uh replaying the game recently i finally was like nope it's time for a new uh party arrangement so i would like <laughs> i i replayed the finale with all the different character combos like i i would do something wacky like sten john and spar like sure why not let's do that right. and, it, and it was fun you know it was a fun challenge because you you start thinking differently like and trying to tailor things to to what th- they're able to offer you so um, yeah, you can't go wrong with any combination. I think some, some having at least one healer and one offensive uh, side character is is good enough. But yeah, what what about you? what What, what was your uh, arrangement?
0: yeah for me it was pretty close uh ryu cat and i feel like you can't not have cat and nina yeah you know like they felt <laughs> <They're> so essential <laughs> yeah so essential to this um and then my fourth was rand i always kept rand rand around.
1: was a good uh good combo. yeah if if i if i wouldn't pick bow i'd probably pick rand or the secret yeah. character actually <laughs> there. my yeah, first right. playthrough i had the secret character in there with me so
0: Nice. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to, you know, you break the game wide open with this. I really I really do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely can. Uh, and I feel like Sten, uh, Jean and Spar were really frail every time I tried to use them. Mm. And I don't feel like like when I was a kid that I understood what they were about. Yeah. Um. So every time I try to, I would just get smoked every time I tried to make a team with them. Yeah. So I would kind of just stick with what I knew, I guess.
1: Yeah, it, it was fun to experiment with them. It's totally doable. And I think at the very least, their sh- shamanized forms are super cool, especially Jean's. Because oh, yeah. Jean has well, his attack power goes through the roof as the shaman form. He he turns from this stout, bumbling <laughs> frogman into like this like crew cut mohawk b- badass looking blue blade wielding uh princely knight. and I just think that's so cool. That, that's such a glow up for him. Um, right. Yeah. But he has this skill chop, I think it's called, uh, which granted it, it can fail, but if, if the chop goes through, it can just uh, inflict 999 damage to every enemy on screen, uh, which that, I thought was really cool. So yeah. yeah, thankfully the, you know, I think the shaman system saves the characters that you,
0: may deem as like the weaker of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, did you have an a ultimate favorite character in this oh, game? I of everybody,
1: man. Mm. I, I love them all. It's kind of a toss-up between Ryu and Nina, actually. Mm. Maybe that's basic because, you know, Ryu and Nina is the most like traditional Pairing of every Breath of Fire game, but their uh, their their backstory spoke to me a lot. I, I would say especially Nina's because yeah, her back. Th- this was one of the most unique backstories in the traditional B O F games for her. In that, uh, you know, she she is born into royalty, so she is the princess of Windia. But she's born with different colored wings, black wings, which. Uh, the townsfolk deem is an omen a, a dark omen and she must be killed essentially and that it, it's such a sad backstory once you get into it that you know she's essentially banished um, uh, by the kingdom and lives out you know being a magic teacher at a magic school in a hometown and y- You don't get the gist of like the the drama, the family drama surrounding her until way later in the game. But even after recruiting her and rescuing uh, her sister Mina from the Joker gang and taking her to the Windia kingdom, like Nina acts like she doesn't know anybody in the kingdom. And like, uh, you know, Ryu doesn't talk, but Kat like brings that up. Like, what's that all about? Like, Like she's your sister and, and this is your family. Like you're Mm. and like, your wings are beautiful. What are they talking about? You know? Um, I, I really loved that, that outcast, like the outcast Nina is such a cool uh, storyline for her. And I mean, to be, I think she was honestly like my first, like anime video game character crush (laughs) as a kid, (laughs) you know, like you you look at her, you you look at her, um, her, not just her portrait, but the the character artwork uh, Tatsuya Yoshikawa's uh, character art for her, and you're just like, yeah, she's she's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. Out of the black wings, yeah, uh, really unique. Yeah, um, out of all the Ninas, really, the the black wings are are uh, and to just kind of emblemizing that. She's been excommunicated from from everything, yeah. Um, and certainly the drama, what happens with her sister and becoming the oh great boy. bird and all that, is very. Very heavy. The biggest um,
1: tearjerker for me in in the whole yeah. game. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's why I ultimately had to go with the title for this Tears of the Dragon. Uh, uh, I was trying to think in terms of like what's a unique title that's just for Breath of Fire Two. Yeah, like because you could make. I think we did an episode on uh, Breath of Fire One with this amazing streamer, uh, Hungry Goria. Um, And I was like, I'm just going to call it first stage halitosis or whatever. (laughs) And like then this one, I'm like, what is this one about that's different than all the other ones? I was like, I think that this one is really heavy in a lot of ways that like the first one definitely wasn't. Um, And even three, I mean, three gets heavy now and then, but there's so much suffering. In two, yeah, there's there's a tremendous amount of
1: sympathy. yeah, and uh I almost went with Ryu just because of his whole family backstory is so uh like tragic and dramatic yeah. and yeah. you know so much loss and, and sadness there. So um yeah.
0: Well, you're not gonna believe who my favorite character is. <laughs> it is <laughs> <laughs> it is Jean. Jean. Okay. The, the prince of Cima Uh simply because He's so out of place in this game.
1: I love him. Yeah, he's the he's the comic relief of of the yeah. group for sure. Uh, Bow ba- sort of was initially because like you can see he's kind of like fawning over Mina in the beginning, right. like, Oh, I'll, I'll save your pet. Don't, you can count on me. Maybe she'll even give me a kiss. It's like, I right. roll. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're a giant dog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Down boy. <laughs> uh,
1: John is, is, is excellent though. He, yeah, it, the, the story, his, his whole scenario with the SEMA fort kingdom and the prince imposter is so fascinating and, and his carefree, he's so he's carefree to a fault. That he yes. that he would risk his, he, he would let his life and his family fall to pieces just because he doesn't want to get confrontational, doesn't want to upset anybody. And it's like, dude, no, this is bad. Your sister is like trying right. <laughs> to set things right for you. And you're just like, you know, rebuking or just like hands hands in the air i don't care you know
0: right 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 his own life is 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 just like this and you could totally picture him just being this kind of chill bumbling guy yeah um that's also secretly like really talented yeah like the whole one of my favorite scenes in the entire game is the whole cooking uh sequence the contest yeah yeah that part's great um where you're just like, you got to find the best ingredients and nobody cooks like my brother. And he's like, ah, it's, it's, they're just playing it up. But it's like, he's (laughs) actually this amazing chef. Um,
1: (laughs) Granted cooking gross things that humans would find reprehensible. (laughs) Yes.
0: I mean, like the gold fly, Fly the giant worm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All that stuff. And the scene of that's both horrifying and hilarious. The scene of like, you know all these paid off chefs they're like this is disgusting this is disgusting the last one's like this is disgusting but i'll have another bite yeah and i, which was, it like gives, when I was a kid of rolling oh man it G-
1: gives away the fact that yeah the the prince imposter uh just totally yeah paid them off or threatened them yeah or it's
0: so great and then and then the princess is like you taste it speaking of the your party yeah and oh man and like, <laughs> you just eat the fly pudding and throw up yeah and she's like what are yeah, yeah, she gets so, so mad about
1: it. I can't believe you'd do something like that. And, oh, and the, yeah, gosh. the the text is so so right there. It's like uh and you can put any character in front to eat all of that disgusting stuff in the cooking to contest, but then it's like okay, like, let's say Ryu eats it. He's like Ryu thinks about all the ingredients, the worms, the cockroaches. Yeah Ryu, oh. Ryu vomits. <laughs> it's, so so good. Good. it's so good. It's so good, but fantastic. it, yeah, and it's like Equal parts whimsical, equal parts dark, because Jean's life is on the line here. If he can't yes. win this contest, the imposter prince is going to execute him, and it's like, oh damn, <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, it, it gets so dramatic that Pettape, the, uh, the the Jean's sister, is just like, well, s- screw it, then I'm going to blow this whole kingdom up <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah, that was such a such a great scenario. So I think I've noted some some people have, have mentioned how like they feel like it's too long and maybe initially it, it does it does kind of drag on for a while to find all the ingredients and you have that gold fly running away and taunting you every second but i guess it just makes it all the more satisfying to finally defeat him and and get the ingredients and get the show on the road so
0: yeah i i i love that section of the game it's kind of it kind of feels a little claustrophobic, but um, – and that Baroque music that oh. plays when you enter. <laughs> Which oh, is
1: so ap- aptly yeah. called uh, Fly Pudding is <laughs> the right? track
0: title. Yes. <laughs> Love that track. Oh, so good. Hey, okay. So let's talk about a couple of the questions here. Yeah. This is from Eros Elric who said, uh, Bo is listed as a grass runner which can be analogous to a halfling or hobbit. Mm. But with the obvious canine features, would Bo's race be closer to a kobold due due to the fact that JRPGs have given that race a more dog-like appearance? Um, So I think he's talking like D&D speak, but anytime somebody comes up to me and talks like this, I'm like, I almost don't know what you're talking Uh, about. I mean, yeah,
1: Grassrunner is an interesting clan or race in the Breath of Fire series because many different um, animal types are lumped into it. I almost feel like it. it if you are not sure <laughs> what the character is, he, it's probably a grass runner. So, so yeah, like Bao right. Bow is a grass runner, but in three, Momo is also a grass runner, but she's more like bunny-like in her appearance and such yeah. with her ears and everything. And then uh, people even say Ursula in four is also a grass runner, and yeah, right. are, So I guess it's like yeah, canine
0: slash. Bunny person, <laughs> kind, like, of, like kind of like like mammal type stuff. Well, yeah. here's the thing to 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 say for anybody who might not be too tuned into the series is that Breath of Fire has these kind of long running clans. Yeah, it's so like we've mentioned the dragon clan, but then you have a canine character in the first game, uh, Bo also, yeah, <laughs> who's a member of the forest clan, and that's really the grass runner clan as well. So. You've got you know this the group of moles. You've got a group of winged, you know, like the Windians that Nina comes from. Yeah. The Dragon Clan, the the Forest Clan, all these things. The Grass People, yeah, Grassmen, um, and yeah, the Manila. Yeah, the a, Manilo, one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah the Manila. The I totally people. forgot about the fish people. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've got, uh, I want to say there was another one. So Um,
1: interestingly, Bo from the first one is from the forest clan, which is separate from the grass runners. So I would, I would say maybe the forest clan is more like wolves and, and that sort of, Oh,
0: are they two different clans? I thought that their name just changed. They're actually different. Yeah. Uh, Uh, grass runners
1: are separate from it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's confusing. Were there (laughs) grass runners in the first? Okay. I don't think so. Is grass runner a Clan, or is it like a classification? I'm so confused. It might now. be. It might be more of a classification. Yeah, like they're they're never okay. referred to as a
1: clan. Uh, okay. Uh, in the series, but it is sort of like a tribe or a race. Um, okay. Yeah, and that that that's another cool thing about the whole series is just a majority of the characters are anthropomorphic. There there are some humans, you know, in, namely in the NPCs and such, but most have some kind of background in an anthropomorphic like animalistic uh, clan which I thought was yes. was uh pretty fresh and and unique. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It still is. I mean, you think know. about the how many JRPGs are just like everybody's just like color-coded by their hair and they all have swords, <laughs> right. right? Like, okay, like big deal. Like this is everybody, you yeah. know, but this guy screams a little bit more and that's his, right. that's his special. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas in breath of fire, I feel like this series always stood out even against final fantasy, mm, yeah. uh, you know, final fantasy seven has these non-human playable characters that I love. Um, Even uh, you know, final fantasy nine has some of that in there as well. But like, like this is just like so many non-human characters, yeah. And I feel like it gives it that much more flavor.
1: Even even Ryu, you know, he may look like a human, but see, you know, innerly he's a dragon. <laughs> he transforms, mm-hmm. he transforms into a dragon. Hence, half dragon, half human, which which is kind of cool. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, aegis runestone asks, how did Nina's design come about? She has arguably the best Nina design of the series and it's fairly unique. Any specifics you can give us? Uh, thank you. Oh man.
1: I mean, I, I agree that two's Nina design is, is that's my favorite of the series because of its mm-hmm. uniqueness. But, um, yeah, the, the, origin I have, I have no clue, unfortunately. I mean, um, uh, the first game's characters were initially designed by kg inafune interestingly mm-hmm. enough and then they were redone by i believe the series artist uh, tatsuya yoshikawa um so they they would probably have a better answer uh than me but um one one thing i've entertained and you know this I, i'm more curious than anything is there there's this great classic arcade capcom game called legendary wings and there's a character, Michelle Hart, in that who is like a winged girl. And I sometimes wonder if maybe the influence of Nina came from that Michelle Hart character or not. Um, mm. I mean, and yeah, the only connection is both wear red or the, the first Nina wears red like Michelle Hart does um, and both have wings. So maybe that's where the similarities, you know, stop or whatever. But it's it's something to think about, you know, and I don't know. If there's any truth to it, but that's, that's kind of what I surmise. Like maybe there's some sort
0: of, uh, connection there. Yeah, it could be. There are some experts out there that are probably mulling that over right (laughs) now. Just don't want to not
1: start trying to start rumors or anything. It's (laughs) just, it's just a thought. Yeah.
0: Well, Patrick said no. on Magecast. No, nope. none of that. Nope. None <laughs> of that, <laughs> please. It, yeah. Keep it in your pants. Yeah. Uh, secret character. Okay. So uh, Duct Tape asked, did you find Blue on your own as a kid? Or bleu, Sacre Blue. Sacre blue, uh, blue. Yeah. Blue. <laughs> blue, blue, yeah. Uh. Quite a bit of French in here. Yeah. So there is a secret character in here. Uh, Also a playable character from the first game. Yeah. Which is... I mean, like, this is just generally a really cool character, kind of this Naga character, yeah. weird, snake lady, wizard, um, who is, like, the only uh, entity, I guess, um, the only single entity that survives from, like, one through four. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then uh, in four, she doesn't even have her Naga form. She's just, like, human. Like spirit looking. or something? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. I yeah, forgot. which is interesting.
1: And, yeah, she's yeah. kind of a spirit, too, which... Gets deep like into the lo- yeah but her yeah. between her and Ursh and such an interesting dynamic there um, very but uh, yeah and Blue and in ja- in Japan she was always known as Deese. and uh, the name was hence corrected from three onwards where where it mm-hmm. was it was spelled D E I S instead of Blue I don't know where Ted Woolsey might have gotten Blue <laughs> uh, from Breath <laughs> of Fire one but. You know, you are dealing with four character limits for names, so yeah, things have to change. I, I, I sort of right. understand yeah. it, right? But yeah, no, it was super cool to uh, to have a, a returning character from the first game show up in Secret and Two. And did I find her on my own? Absolutely not. I uh, <laughs> I, I only found out she her existence through both Game Pro and uh, Nintendo Power having the guide on how to find her. And finding her is actually well. Not super difficult, but uh, well, I, I should say uncovering her 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 den of sorts in the desert is pretty easy to find. But finding out that she's one of the random students in the magic school in hometown, that's that's a bit more uh, yeah. cryptic. <laughs> yeah, uh, And Definitely. yeah, the game doesn't really give you a hint on where you might find. Uh, well, actually, no, um, there's one of the township NPCs you can recruit, uh, Watts. Uh, he offers riddles, uh, in the circus and you can recruit him to your town. And one of, if, if you answer all his riddles, eventually, I think he actually gives you the hint on where to find blue. Um, mm. and that's the only in-game hint for finding her, but it's, yeah, it requires a specific NPC recruited to your town. <laughs> so it can be tough to find, but yeah. Uh, unlocking her is cool and it's cool because it's also cool that, um, the characters talk about her in Township. And that's one of the neat things about Township is after every key story beat, you can go back to town and go to your main house and talk to all, all of your characters and they'll have new things to say depending on what's going on in the story. And so they'll all comment on Blue and saying like how old she is and like she's been <laughs> around a long time and that sort of thing. And uh, I think Nina is almost even like a little combative or, or uh there's a bit of a ro- sensed rivalry between her magic and blues magic which is kind of fun <laughs> but yeah it, yeah it was cool to see her returning and then there there are two cameos of other one character actually three cam, cam, three more cameos uh, you have karn and Bo showing up Mm -hmm. on the giant island. Uh, Those are pure cameos. I don't think they're actually alive at the time of of Breath of Fire 2, right? (laughs) they are like, wow, these
0: guys are old. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think they're just a fun addition. But there's one critical one that's like an important part of the story, and that's uh, the first Nina shows Mm -hmm. up in like a sort of vision to Breath of Fire 2's Nina in a critical part of the story. And uh, this is like a, a plot element that, you know, has sent fa- the fandom off on like many theories and interesting like connections between one, two and three. And that Nina one tells Nina two, that she fell in love with a member, uh, a man from another clan, which hints to be the Ryu of one. And because of, because of that decision of mine of marrying outside of my bloodline uh, or like the win the, the wing clan, uh, our powers have dwindled. Hence, by the in in breath of fire one almost every adult windian can turn into a bird and fly in two uh almost nobody can turn into a, a bird anymore and and nina once cites that being due to her and she actually asks nina to for forgiveness like did did i do the right thing like would you uh would you forgive me for what i've done and I don't think that choice really matters <laughs> in the in mm. the in the whole plot of the game, but it's it's such an interesting um, like uh, backstory to why the Windians were losing
0: their their flight capabilities. It is, and then by the time you get to three, I think you see regular Windians that don't even have wings anymore. Exactly, just and, people walking around the town. Yeah, they
1: even they even comment on how they used to be able to fly and such. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the powers dwindled even further, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah.
0: it is. And, and to appreciate that, again, going back to the start of this episode, I like playing through the series in that chronological order. Yeah, you really can appreciate how the world itself has changed over the course of so many centuries. Yeah. And I, I really love that about this. Too. It's not a Final Fantasy thing, <laughs> not a Dragon Quest thing, really, as a whole series, yeah. but it is such a breath of fire thing. Yeah so cool uh blue so as far as finding blue as a kid um i did but whether that was me discovering it or learning it from a friend or from a guide or the library like i couldn't tell you which was which yeah. but definitely remember finding her yeah it's tricky finding um, her boy is she overpowered <laughs> oh yeah so it's way OP. Yeah. We're like well i guess i'm not changing party members again exactly <laughs> uh I did put out a question to the community, which was Cat or Nina. Oh boy, what a, what a question! Loads. What a loaded. Yeah, question. I was like, forget Tifa and Aeris. <laughs> We're just going to talk about Cat or Nina, yeah. Uh, the better love triangle here. So, I don't think that the game really sets it up to be a major kind of melodramic or melodramatic uh, love triangle or anything like that, but. There's certainly some, you know, tension or some romantic tension there yeah. between these characters. Um, but Cat or Nina? We already know your favorite character is Nina. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so there's a vote for Nina. Yeah. Um, if I had to vote, I would probably say Cat. Oh, okay. uh, I really love, really love Nina, but Cat uh, well, is a pretty amazing.
1: Cat is so awesome. I mean, um. She's feisty. Her, her personality is so, f- like, fun in, in in two. And I think one of my favorite moments with her, honestly, is uh, when you're saving uh, Mina and Nina from the Joker gang. And so, like, R- Ryu and Kat, like, just, you know, jump into the cave and start, you know, wailing on, on these gangsters uh, to, to save uh, the two of them. And when, once you get near... Uh, the main guy joker's uh uh like area where he holds them captive um cat like just kind of rushes in guns blazing in a sense well staff blazing (laughs) where uh (laughs) there's this just really cute funny sprite moment where cat just goes ahead and smacks this gangster out and and immediately takes mina and yells to, to like nina like i have mina like let's 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 fight or whatever and um, and then Joker's like, "Kill her!" And then Ryu's trailing behind. He's he's like, "No, no, don't go out just yet." And you see his sprite rushing, quickly rushing to Cat's side to help her as the battle begins, like with the swish uh, visual effect or whatever. I I just love that little touch of like, Cat's just gonna go in and kick ass and take names, and and right. that's that's
0: really awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and then later in the game, you know, when you meet up with other members of her clan, uh the war end, right, yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's uh, the possibility that comes up in the story that she may stay behind, you know, and I feel like uh at the time I was really sad about that, yeah, you know, yeah. like this is one of the earliest characters that you get in the game. Yeah. Um, and imagining that she was not going to finish the story with me was, was pretty sad.
1: So. Yeah. I, I had forgotten about that aspect. And that was with, uh, with Tiga or Taiga as you want to call yeah. it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who falls yeah. in
1: love with her at first sight, but it's, it's a weird kind of <laughs> first love or whatever, <laughs> especially considering <laughs> he still has that
0: Claris girlfriend. So like, uh, <laughs> what's yeah, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With yeah. that. The- <laughs> uh, well, perhaps not. Uh, not unpredictably, the community responded Uh, 28 votes for cat and 34 votes for Nina. So Nina is the winner of that, of that love triangle. Um, But I, this is what I, what I expected the results to turn out, but I didn't expect to be so close actually.
1: Yeah. I know uh, there's a huge following for cat. And I mean, uh, this year is the Chinese new year of the, of the tiger. And so I've oh. seen so much cat fan art coming out of Japan where she, she's known as a Urinpu there. Um, mm. so much fan art of cat. And I, I would argue she's still one of the mo- most popular characters in, in the series. If you ask me or most recognizable next to
0: Nina and Ryu. Um, yeah, you know. she definitely seems to be, uh, important as far as get kind of getting in into that yeah that dynamic between the two of them i
1: mean she's also a dlc costume in street fighter 5 so so there you go
0: (laughs) keeping it alive uh an honorable mention to blue a couple people were like what about snake lady and i was like "Ah." and one person was like ursula and i was like ursula from from buff four so yeah yeah there there are fans out there so Carrie 86, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you Capcom for de- developing on all these platforms and being a great third-party developer. And my question, what moments in Breath of fire two were the most unique ones for you two? Uh, we kind of have been bringing that up and remembering so things in the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's been great to be like, ah, I forgot about that. Yeah, like you know? SEMA um, I would say like
1: an in, infiltrating Evry, the, the church of St. Eva was super cool. Uh, discovering the underground dragon clan uh yeah within infinity which we'll get into and uh the flashback with Ryu's mom Valerie is a, is a huge point for me and also honestly something I almost instantly think of every time when people say like best moment in two go is uh the whole lead up to the final battle like that part was so incredible and like uh like just so cool of like Ryu charging up towards Death Evan and slashing him, <laughs> slashing God in the face.
0: Yeah. Basically.
1: Um,
0: yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, that is such a, such a climactic scene. Yeah. Um, and even, I mean, you find out what Death Evan is so late in the game. Yeah. It seems like, um, but it really it feels like it fits though. It doesn't feel like it's one of those RPG villains that comes out of nowhere and you're like oh no, but
1: like Zemus, the connection,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Necron and Oh Fantasy boy, yeah, yeah. yeah, the connections back to Tyr and Miria, yeah, in the first game, like that, that it just makes sense, yeah. you know. And you actually,
1: um, uh, oh right, the the story, yeah, the Dragon Clan does mention, yeah, that Miria or Tira, as she was called in the first is uh yeah le- left a demon seed essentially as revenge for her defeat in the first game and that Demon seed grows to be Death Evan, essentially.
0: Yeah, Um, Uh, man. There's a whole theological thing ready to be unpacked, right there. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah, like there's there's so much. I mean, like I was thinking about it. You you know when you first see Death Evan in his human form, right? uh, He kind of flows towards the party. He's in a cruciform pose. That's right. Um, And there's the concept of the seed of the goddess or the seed of the woman in the book of Genesis being the first kind of messianic promise of this savior coming, but it's just completely flipped on its head as the seed, you know, of the goddess of this demon in, in breath of fire too. Oh, wow. Um, And it's all focused through this very Westernized, very Christendom type church um, they knew what they were doing. I like people are well read. It seems like back then. The, yeah. Like, and the that, designing these things. Yeah,
1: No, that's all. Uh, and that's all kudos to the, uh, the writer of two, which was, uh, the series director, um, or at least he was director from three onwards, uh, Makoto Ikehara. Um, mm. he, he wrote the scenarios of two and was like the main writer of, of all the story and stuff. And yeah. Uh, you you can notice like <laughs> there are a lot of literary references spread throughout yeah. the game. Um in that in that moment with Death Evan in his in his uh you know humanoid form, uh he calls Ryu uh uh what is it, Nikonor or something like that? Nikonoru, which uh that's just a reference to a book called Autumn of the Patriarch, uh, where Nikonor is the name given to like the dead or something like that. And that's basically wow. death Evan in a sense, just saying like you and your, your, uh, your uh, heritage are, are about to die <laughs> in a sense. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it's smart stuff. Yeah. It, it really is. Really and clever. some of that really, yeah, still shines through in the localization. Um, The infinity dungeon. Right? <laughs> so infinity as it's called uh i mentioned to you earlier this is the first dungeon i've ever been afraid of oh boy (laughs) Uh, it is so so long and so full of of horrible monsters um, you really have to be prepared. And then going all the way down, it's so long. There's a town in the middle of it.
1: That's what I love about it. actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes.
0: I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I love this dungeon because it's so frightening and so yeah. amazing, huge and, and chaotic. I uh, even that, uh, there's so much to explore. It's like a whole microcosm game in and of itself. Yeah. But if you get to the bottom and having done this a couple times myself, get to the bottom and you're like, I really want to go back through the surface. You have to walk the whole way back
1: or, or cast exit if you have the exit spell. Yeah, it
0: does <laughs> as it work. Cause I Ex- thought I remembered that it doesn't, it doesn't it work.
1: No, it, it will work. It won't work in when you're in the dragon clan town, but it will okay. it will work when you're in the dungeons. So it, it's so immense that so the second part of the dungeon after the town uh so the part 2 you cast exit there it'll take you to the uh to the dragon town. You then okay. have to backtrack to the first part of the dungeon and then cast exit one more time to return to and the surface. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I had misremembered that for years yeah. then. For years. The, the, the yeah.
1: unfortunate thing though is once you exit, yep, you're going to have to trek back <laughs> all the way. There it is. There's no yeah. warp point to the dragon yeah. town or anything. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: But Delogany, uh, halfway through there, um, the, the town, is really like... I mean, so many moments in this game give you chills, but that is the moment that connects these two games together
1: yeah and a a Uh, fantastic song in that town too it's called uh, a crooked ladder it's yeah it's such a beautiful tune um yeah and I'll, i'll i i just love the idea of like going through a really tough dungeon you know this is the finale boy is it long boy is it maze like and lots of random encounters and lots of dead ends but you get to this town and you're like Oh, respite. <laughs> like yeah. a place to heal, a place to save, like item shop and, and such. Like and and then on top of that, you get the big exposition dump of like of uh you know understanding what happened to the dragon clan since the first game and mm-hmm. why they're underground. And then, then you, you put two and two together. It's like where where you are in Delogany is what you were seeing in that prologue opening text crawl. You were you were seeing the underground the infinity tower and the dragon clan living on it essentially. And like the screen just transitioning upwards towards the surface, which uh, I thought was really, really cool.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's definitely fantastic. Uh, And again, tying everything together, explaining to you kind of what happened since uh, the first game and what happened to tier at the end of the first game, um, just it's 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 such a crowning moment yeah I think for this story
1: and uh and that's where after talking with the elders um, and someone who is essentially Ryu's grandfather there uh, he mentions Valerie his mother and that's where you get the flashback where you actually control her in the past and it goes over how she meets Ganner the father of Ryu how they fall in love despite their Differing religions and everything like that, and and all the lead up into, well, she's she was the dragon protecting the the entrance to the final dungeon and protecting the world from Death Evans encroaching, you know, demonic force and everything, and that she she gave up her life to transform into this sleeping dragon and and protect society, and it's like, yeah, just figuring all that out at the end is and and then seeing her vanish because she has to let him in to conquer the evil is just like oh boy (laughs) just a a lot to unpack there
0: yeah there really is a lot to unpack yeah uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just great. Yeah. It, it it really is fantastic. Uh, and so, as soon as you walk in, you hear that. It like, feels like out, a final
1: like, dungeon song. Yeah.
0: It does. <laughs> yes. Uh, red eye Tactics said breath of fire 2, the entire game was a blast, but that final dungeon was as bad as the final round of the chaos temple. OMG. Uh, it's, it's a doozy of a final dungeon. It's tough. I you can bring like, a map. <laughs> I bring sure. out map oh my goodness yeah uh we used to draw uh the first it must have been early on because then i didn't have the guide at that point we used to draw the paths out and so if you're coming back you can kind of remember oh wow you know which way to go that's great um yeah
1: you know so i uh, i actually like this dungeon but uh, um <laughs> i admit that the second half is actually the harder part for me because uh like they're due to the the layout, and there's a lot of warp points that warp you to like dead ends and and things like that. So I, I got tripped up mostly on the second half of the dungeon after the Dragon Clan Town.
0: Yeah, uh, it's tough. Yeah. it really. I feel like if you beat this, then you're good. You you kind of cut your teeth on yeah. <laughs> like on uh, on just about anything else. It's it's pretty rough. And,
1: and on top sure. of that, you encounter you you finally that's your like official reencounter with Baruberry the demon from the beginning that tormented you as a child and this is your time to finally show him who's boss <laughs> essentially <laughs> which i i love that segment uh Baruberry is such a fascinating you, you don't you know they don't explain much about him he's like this weird demon that somehow came to the surface despite you know the starting town of Gate, like, you know, having the dragon, like, protect society and everything from demons coming forth. Somehow he's able to transcend that. And there's a lot of unanswered questions which kind of make him more sp- spooky in a sense. Uh, and I would mm-hmm. dare say baruberry is a tougher fight than even the final boss,
0: Death Evan. <laughs> so... Final boss feels like more like a bullet sponge. Yeah. You know, like yeah. His HP is humongous, yeah. but Baruberry hits pretty hard. And th- I think it's so
1: cool that when you encounter him again, like, so you, when you enter like this pitch black area, you know something's coming up. And so Baruberry shows up and he actually gives you the choice of fighting him solo, Ryu versus Baruberry. And the player doesn't have to do this, um, but if you do it's well it's one of the most challenging things in the game and it's <laughs> it's like a war of attrition of uh you just need to keep pumping ryu with ap recovery items and 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 you utilizing his uh g dragon the or the kaiser dragon as it's later called um and and just using that as much as you can to whittle him down because boy he hits hard uh it's such a cool, intense one on one fight though. And that's the only way I do it these days. I'll I'll always fight him solo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, you've got the experience under your belt yeah. at this point to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh and that leads us neatly to endings, I think. Oh, yeah. Um it may surprise some folk to know that this game has multiple endings. Yeah. Uh overnight on Twitter asked what happened to the final boss death Evan because the game even says he didn't exactly die so what happened after so many years since in Breath of fire three does not mention it anymore um so there are and again kind of working off a of memory and kind of trying to dig this up there are three endings yeah to this game
1: and okay. I would call them the the bad ending which is like a shortstop mm-hmm. ending kind of almost like a game over perma screen game over ending Um, the sad ending and the good ending. That's, that's how I label them basically.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's the fairest way to do it. It seems like a lot of the fandom will suss it out like that. And uh, a question here from Terrence Harkin, which ending did you see the first time playing through the game? Did you go back to see the alternate ending? Did you see the bad ending? Uh, do you remember the first ending that you saw?
1: Yeah, well, it was the bad ending and make sure you save before you do that one because you'll have to reset the game because uh, <laughs> it's essentially like, a, as I said, like a permanent game over screen. But bad ending is essentially telling Valerie as, in her dragon form that you're going to wait and 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 see what happens. And that by choosing that, you're essentially letting Death Heaven gain even more power and amass even more demonic forces and it, it it's actually really chilling with the music that plays but it it shows this really demonic like picture of like all the demons of infinity united together in the darkness facing the screen and like staring at the screen with death Evan in the center Baruberry berry is even in there and all the other demons and it's basically like by waiting, you just let them am- amass their forces and now they're going to conquer the world. It's, re- mm-hmm. it's really like bone chilling to like the text that accompanies all of that. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you don't, you don't want that. You want to see it though. Cause it's, it's super cool uh, to, to look at, but it's, yeah, it's like a false ending in a sense.
0: So then that's the bad ending. Yeah. I, I think you and I have both seen it. Uh, it's worth seeing, you know, yeah. like you said, um, then there are two other endings, a sad ending and a happy ending. Yeah. Um, now let's, let's break those two down, but then also, uh, which ending would you say leads to breath of fire three? Oh boy.
1: That's hard to say. Cause like threes, two and three's connection is a bit more loose than one and three, which is kind mm. of interesting, but.
0: Hmm. I, I, I will like say it feels kind of parenthetical.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the question was like, wh- which ending did we get first? I obviously got the sad ending first because the prerequisites to get the good ending are you have to save reuse father Ganner from the machine that mm. the St. Eva church hooked him up to that was sucking his life energy essentially. And the first time I played, you know, you see him and Hopefully, you know, as a player, you remember that that's Ryu's father hooked up to that machine. But he's telling you, no, kill me, like, put me out of my misery, because this machine is feeding the demon, essentially. And so I was like, okay, so I summoned the Kaiser, the, the G-Dragon, and wiped <laughs> wiped the boss out in, like, one hit and killed him in the process. And uh, by doing that, yeah, like, you, uh, you lose access to Ryu's father, Ganner. And you lose access to having him power uh, Township. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, if you let him power Township by getting a certain mechanic over there and having him hooked up to the machine, which is which is also kind of dark. It's like his life energy was literally being sucked up by the church. And now you're having his life energy sucked <laughs> up by the Township. Um, but by having him exist in the ending... Uh, despite Death Evan being defeated, he leaves this hint that he can come back and that doesn't sit well with Ryu. and even the dragon elder tells him in the end that there's one one more step left for you. and he knows in his heart that means he's going to have to change into a giant dragon just like his mother and fall into an eternal sleep and and cover the gate to infinity and protect the world from Death Evan resurging again. And so that's a big burden, but by having your father alive and hooked up to the township, he takes it upon himself to essentially crash the township with people in it. Thankfully everyone's okay, (laughs) but he crashes it into the mountain of the gate and seals it essentially like seemingly indefinitely at that point. Um, And that's, that's the good ending right there. But yeah, I got the sad ending the first time Ganner wasn't around to power township. And hence, uh, Ryu had to sacrifice himself and change into a dragon. And that's a really heartbreaking ending um, because Ryu doesn't even say goodbye to anybody. Like he lets, you know, they come out of the gate. The, the party, you know, moves on without him. And then they finally notice that he's, he's missing. So they run back. And before they see him again, it's too late. He transforms into his final dragon resting form and thus like, yeah, sealing the deal and breaking the hearts of the player and the characters. It's <laughs> especially, especially if you have like Kat and Nina in your party at that time, because they're like, Nina's like ba- like bashing up against him and it would be like, you're, you're the most important, thing to me and it's like oh god (laughs) like
0: that's (laughs) what are you doing to me right now (laughs) you're not prepared for that kind of emotional trauma seriously yeah and i think i
1: think the most heartbreaking text in that in that ending is uh something about like maybe like so so ryu falls into like an into like a endless sleep but even though he may not see his friends again, he's hoping he'll see their offspring in a sense. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh god, my heart. Yeah, <laughs> that's rough. That's so rough. So I'm gonna
0: guess that I'll postulate that uh, it's the good ending that leads to three because we uh, we don't see Death Evan come back. That's true. Uh, yeah. Whether that happened in you know this or that, but then also uh, you got to have somebody to. To father the next uh, generation of, of dragons. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> you've got Patty in this game, who was Yua, yeah. um, Ryu's uh, sister. Yeah. Um. So she's there, at least, with inexplicably with bat wings. Um, <laughs> right. Right? Because I don't think... Well, they're dragon wings, ta-
1: technically, but everyone refers right. to them as bat wings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Were there any other winged... Uh, dragon client characters. Can I come to think of it?
1: Uh, there were some in Delogany itself. And one of them, okay. the sprite looks just like Patty. But when you talk to her, she's like, what I'm Patty. No, you must be mistaken. I'm somebody else. Uh, okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Yeah. So they got an excuse there. Uh, the real Jimmy jam said breath of fire two was the first game. I remember playing with alternate endings. I'll never forget having to go back to rent it multiple times to figure out how to get the good ending. So, uh, multiple endings this game i seriously underrated uh there's a lot of great rpgs on the super nintendo let me tell you playing them all right yeah, now yeah. um but this is a this is a really good one so like don't don't sleep on this if you haven't played it yet um but here let's head towards the wrap-up speaking of endings uh if you want to ask a question or share a comment to get a mention on this show you'll need to keep an eye out on my Twitter at the Wellred Mage where I announce the topics for each Mage cast episode in advance but red I don't have twitter i hear you say uh in that case join the discord cuz i drop all kinds of stuff in there and we'll chit chat it's fun uh, a couple other comments here questions uh ancient lit dude who actually ran a um a breath of fire podcast for a little while a uh, dragon song um, right yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, really cool dude. He said, "Can you talk about the importance of the ladies in the Breath of Fire fandom? Live Not, Chris and Casey have done a phenomenal job of promoting the series and creating a sense of community." Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I know. I know Live Not and and Casey. They're they're amazing. Um, I have to give kudos to Casey because she's she formed essentially the first Breath of Fire fan community with uh, net. and nice. that was like the first forum I could find to talk to other people about Breath of Fire. Uh and it was great. And there was like a lot of fun resources about the lore and the characters and the games. And uh yeah, that was a great site. Unfortunately, Dragon Tear got like hacked and like a long time ago and shut down, unfortunately. Like uh. ir- an ir- irrecoverable recoverable loss. Um but yeah, I, I I have to give it to hand it to Casey because as far as I know she she established the first uh, breath of fire fan community online and um Not, who I know she she's incredible like she she continued that legacy with a dragon brood uh forum uh that's not around anymore but uh you know b- before I joined capcom i um i spearheaded the breath of fire fan pages like facebook twitter uh instagram and such but I passed that off to her um after joining Capcom and yeah she's been doing a great great work with that and the and the uh and of course the dragon song podcast with ancient lead dude as well so yeah and Mm -hmm. I, i also have to say uh shout outs to temi chang the artist of undertale because she's a devout breath of fire fan as well and she's designed uh some of the officially licensed keychains for breath of fire and the plush dolls that are sold on fangamer so Uh, She like did Ryu, Nina and cat keychains and Ryu and Nina plush dolls, uh, which I think is awesome. It's cool that someone from from making such an impactful RPG of today's generation happens to be a huge Breath of Fire fan. Like that's just so cool. So, so yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, there are women in the, in the Breath of Fire fandom that have, you know, they've spearheaded this They're, you know, they, uh, they've really done a, an incredible job, like, uh, like promoting and, and keeping BOF relevant in, in the fandom. So, and, you know, we, we have, you know, these Facebook pages still exist, the Twitter, the Instagram, the, uh, there's a discord of filled with BOF fans chatting every day about it. Like it makes me happy that there's still a sizable fandom that, you know, keeps things relevant and keeps, uh, keeps it in the public eye. I, I greatly appreciate that.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, if there's a theme of this conversation, it's just how much fans are doing, uh, to really keep this alive and, and keep the conversations going. Um, and here you and I get to be a part of that. There's so much, I feel like in having this discussion, there's so much that I don't still don't understand (laughs) about this game. Um, it just makes me want to play it all over again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ch- chatting. I-, I mean, I just finished it again on the switch uh, right before the pandemic hit. And yeah, I, I did all three endings. Uh, I-, I kept a save before, you know, the decision to kill or save Ganner. And once I got the best ending, I went back and killed him off and so I could get the nice. sad ending. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um And you mentioned Undertale. Was it right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to shout out that moment where I was like, okay, now this is awesome. Uh, Undertale, of course, you know, taking a lot of uh, references from other previous RPGs and Using them in unique ways, but education, hobby, hobby talent. talent. <laughs> oh man! When I saw that, I was like, "Was this a breath of fire what, too?" Reference. What a reference! You know, man, I, it's so great. I'll
1: never forget. Toby Fox tweeted. Uh, w- this was when Undertale like had just come out and was starting to gain a lot of traction. Um, he tweeted like, uh, if, "If you're getting into Undertale, this is the only thing you need to know about it." And he posted a screenshot of uh, of that. Moment when Ryu fights the director of HR at the coliseum <laughs> and it's just this muscly dude saying "Education ho- hobby." Tell, <laughs> and lo and behold, yeah, there's there's like this horse enemy that that says the exact same quote.
0: Um, oh man, mind blown it's, when it's, I saw it's that. It's so
1: great, yeah, I love it. Mind
0: blown. <laughs> um, final bit here from Roskman again. Uh, let's ask first: Is Nimufu the witch' secret best girl? <laughs> oh, Nimufu. Oh man! Yeah,
1: I mean, she's totally forgot about She's her. totally funny, and her her backstory was Jean. And I I, I love when you're when you're c- connecting from the beginning of the podcast when we talked about jumping in toilets. You have to try to find Jean's lost ring. Th- this is how carefree is he. He wanted to make Nimufu the witch feel better, so he gave her his his royal keepsake, the royal ring. (laughs) And she lost it in the toilet because she got drunk at a witch party and like dropped it in and flushed it. And so you have Ah, to go chase after it. And one of my favorite quotes in that, moment is one of the witches says, Oh, you're looking for a nimifu? She's worshiping the porcelain God, <laughs> which right. I thought was a very colorful <laughs> way to describe. Uh, yeah, she's barfing <laughs> in the back there. <laughs> that
0: was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then general opinions on the tears of magic, spiritual successor to breath of fire.
1: Oh yeah. I heard about that. Um, that looks really, really cool. I haven't I don't know if there's been video of it or anything, but I've, I've heard things about it that it's going to be a Kickstarter, and uh, they're recruiting the compo- uh one of the co-composers of Breath of Fire three and the main composer of Breath of Fire four, Yoshino Aoki. Uh, yeah, which is really really cool to see. Um, but yeah, everything I've seen of it is it looks really really cool. I just I don't I don't know too much about it, but uh, mm-hmm. I would like to know more so looking yeah, forward
0: to that it, it looks like there's a a, a few assets uh, screenshots some some video um it's still very much a work in progress yeah. but they showed fishing i'm like okay it's a breath of fire there, game there then.
1: you go i have to say yep. I, I i've been getting into stardew valley recently for the first oh. time the fish <laughs> the fishing mini game in there i'm like wait a minute this is the Breath of Fire three fishing, except in a vertical bar instead of a horizontal bar. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, Breath of Fire, the pioneer of fishing in RPGs. Yeah, there it's
1: it's it's such an excellent mini game that you'll literally spend hours just fishing because <laughs> that's yes. how fun it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man, this was uh, this was one heck of a conversation. Yeah, um, big. <laughs> I, it is. I mean, and then I feel like we didn't even. You know, in our own way, we can kind of do this game justice, but it is such a complex, such a rich game that uh, at, the best thing you can do at this point, folks, is just play it. Yeah. Uh, if you've never played it, if you haven't played it for a while, if you just played it, play it again. It's it's so good. But uh, I do have to thank Patrick. Patrick, yeah. thanks for being here. Thanks dude. for having um, me. I'm,
1: I'm very honored. Uh, and, you know, flattered to be able to just talk about my passion for the series so.
0: <laughs> oh man no yeah. i mean i feel like you and i could have gone on for like two more oh, hours man. We're just and this like is, this, so- this was just it's one a- breath of fire game <laughs> right, thought, right? <laughs> yeah absolutely well where can our listeners find you sir
1: yeah so um uh my twitter is at patrick k-u-l um Another a few other things to pl- plug. I, I, I have some spoiler-free Breath of Fire guides on my website, uh, patrickkulikowski.com. Uh, I've gotten some remarks of how people appreciated my BOF2 spoiler-free guide, so I, I, I greatly appreciate that. Um, I also have some drumming videos at VG Drum on YouTube. Um, I used to be uh, co-host of a uh, music uh, game music podcast called VG Empire, Uh, that you can still check out we 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 went on hiatus after a massive chrono trigger podcast episode that i recommend everybody check out it's really really good um
0: i know what i'm listening yeah there there you go (laughs) (laughs) and um
1: i i also wanted to plug some of the cool bof stuff you can get out there so as i mentioned before the breath of fire one to five soundtracks are available on steam um the uh ship to shore is selling breath of fire one through three vinyl uh, two and three, you can still pre-order. And then Fan Gamer uh, sells Breath of Fire T-shirts and and mer- like plushes and keychains. Um, I think the T-shirts might be sold out at this point, but there, there's there's all kinds of officially licensed merch that you can get. Which, you know, it used to be zero licensed Breath of Fire merch, and now it's suddenly like ten to fifteen things, which is yeah, super cool. That's huge. And then uh, I have to thank Udon for. Uh, localizing and translating the uh breath of fire official complete works art book which is like one of the best bof physical bof resources for like checking out the incredible artwork and lore of the series so uh definitely worth checking that out
0: well thanks again my friend hopefully we'll uh we'll catch up again sometime for sure yeah thanks for having me re- appreciate it <laughs> yeah thank you take care and we'll see you next time see ya. thanks so much for listening to our journey I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and if you did, here's what you can do next. Try browsing our library and check out another episode. You may find one for one of your favorite games. You could also leave a review or rating on your app of choice, which would really help out the show. You could visit Patreon to financially support my multi-concept work across the internet. And finally, how about joining our Discord community, where the conversation continues. There's links for you in the description. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons.